it's Friday, April the 21st, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We are in a fun time in the world of sports with the NBA playoffs going on, the NHL playoffs happening, big racing all over the place, baseball season in full swing. We always appreciate you hanging out with us here on That's What G Said. So on this episode, we will talk a lot of racing. Friday, Keeneland, Friday, Santa Anita, Saturday, Keeneland, Saturday, Santa Anita, and we'll get into this week in wrestling, everything going on in the world of wrestling with Chad Cooper. Now, keep in mind, if you are a fan of NBA, I have been doing daily NBA playoff preview shows with Eric. You have been used to hearing Eric on the podcast, and we would do weekly shows. Well, now we're doing daily shows. We're previewing every game throughout the NBA playoffs. Same time, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern time, 2 p.m. Pacific time. You can catch that live on my YouTube channel. On Twitter, it's me, Gino B. If you follow me on Facebook, all of those places, the stream comes out live every single weekday, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Then on the weekends, noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, and we go live. We're able to interact with you. We'd love to hear from you on the uh, the on the YouTube chat. Let us know who you're playing, if you have any questions about the wagers, any comments, anything at all. So basketball fans, we've got you covered every single day. It's a totally free show. We will help you preview every game, betting lines, props, and we will give out our best bets for Thrive Fantasy. ThriveFantasy.com, that's the name of the website. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy site, and it's really affordable and they give you a perk if you use the promo code GINO. You can deposit anything from 25 up to 250. They'll give you a match deposit bonus. NBA games, baseball games, golf, hockey, UFC, they've got them all. Esports. Anything that you want to play, you can get involved in over at Thrive Fantasy. You can also wager on props in parlays if you are in the state of California. Someone like me and you don't have the ability to wager legally right now, you can actually play in the prop lobby. You can go and pick any of the props that they have, combine them. You hit two, you win three times, 3.2 times your entry. You get three out of three, you get 5.2 times your entry. Four out of four, you get 10.2 times your entry. Five out of five, 20.2 times your entry there. Or you can just play in one of the, the contests. Like a $20 NBA first round game. It's a $2,000 prize pool. So, and you're only playing against like another 100 people. They have 115 entries in the group. You're not playing against thousands of thousands of bots and a bunch of different system players. You're actually playing against real people. You feel like you have the opportunity to win. $20 entry fee, 400 bucks to the winner. That's the NBA Friday contest. ThriveFantasy.com. Use that promo code G-I-N-O. Don't forget, NBA show with Eric, Friday, 5 Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific time. Saturday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific time. We have a lot of horse racing to cover here, so we'll get into some Friday Keeneland plays. They have a huge carryover in the pick six. I think it's $850,000 plus. Uh, We'll get into some plays for Santa Anita for Friday. They are back racing at Santa Anita after a little bit of a break. Then we'll flip to Saturday for Keeneland and for Santa Anita. So lots of racing coming up right now.
horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf past performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge by Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Come join us to get all the important information for Stable Duel every weekend on Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time, this weekend in Stable Duel with myself, Barry Spears, and Matt DeSantis. We are always giving you best bets for Friday and for Saturday, and it's the no chalk zone. We only give out horses that are 5 to 1 and up in the no chalk zone. Stable Duel, big focus on Keeneland. When they're playing, uh, when Keeneland races are, are happening, and you have a lot of different contest options for Keeneland, let's head on over there right now. Let's talk some Friday Keeneland. So if, if these sound a little, just the, the verbiage I'm using sounds a little bit off, it's because I actually record them. I'm trying to record them now with videos using the daily racing form past performances, and I'm posting those videos on social media. So that way you can see them 
if you want to see them or you have the audio here. So you'll be able to pick up the same thing, but sometimes I'll be sort of talking about a race that I'm watching. Maybe I reference something that you can't see if you're just listening to the podcast here. Just keep in mind that's the, that's the reason why. And if you want to go to my YouTube channel or my uh, Facebook or Twitter, it's me, Gino B. Always the best place to find everything on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. Let's talk some Keeneland for Friday with that big pick six carryover. Let's talk some Keeneland Friday, April the 21st. And like always for me, I'm looking at the DRF daily racing form. Head to DRF.com. And when I'm going through these past performances, whenever I do videos like this, I'm always using formulator past performances. What's nice about the formulator PPs, one click to charts, one click to race replays, one click to trainer statistics, one click to pedigree information. You can get the full body or you can, you know, just take a look at the most recent sample size, whatever you need. It's right there for you. DRF.com. Those formulator PPs are the ones for me. So let's dive on in. Now there's a huge carryover in the pick six at Keeneland on Friday, 800 and $59,000 plus into the pick six carryover. Now the weather looks like it could be pretty bad this weekend uh, between Friday and Saturday, but for the purposes of handicapping videos, I never really try to project because once you try to say if this race comes off or if it shows up wet, you don't know who's going to scratch, what the fields are going to look like, how the race and the pace is going to shape up. So for the purposes of this video, I'm just going to play it as if these horses are, you know, in the body of the field, obviously. So I'm going to give you one that I like in the fourth, and then we'll take a look at races seven, nine, and 10, which are part of the, uh, the pick six sequence there. So let's jump to race number four. It's a dirt race. It's a maiden special weight for fillies and mares, three-year-olds and up. They're going to go a mile in the 16th in here. Of course, I, uh, I like a bit is one that I've seen run a few times out here in California. And then most recently went over to Turfway Park, and that's the two autism community. So this horse debuted back in November of 2022, was really good coming from way, way out of it, and went down to Del Mar, tried the turf. It wasn't a bad effort. It was actually a pretty good group that she ended up facing. December 30th, she ran into a really tough horse, a sharp one named Ancient Peace, who came right back to win their next start race that was taken off the turf, but won that really impressively and earned a, a nice speed figure in doing so. So you sort of look at, who this one has faced in the last couple of those races have come back pretty strong. The March 23rd race um, was really not bad. It was, uh, it was the first start since December. So the first start in three months and was sitting about fourth or fifth in the two path was in between horses was in a race where they chased lone speed. And it was really a merry-go-round race. You can pull up the chart and see that the winner was wire to wire. The runner up was sitting second and the third place finisher was basically sitting in the third spot. So there was just no passing in that race whatsoever. Now she'll make her second start back off that short little break. She should be sharper in here. We've already seen this barn win with some limited runners out at Keeneland. This is a very good barn, the Jonathan Wong barn. They win with a ton of races up in Northern California and have good success when they send them down to SoCal as well. I think the two fits well with this group. Autism community, six to one, anything four plus worthy of a win wager here. That's race number four at Keeneland on Friday. So let's move to the seventh race. Another uh, play for us. So I was just trying to talk about the races where I like horses that are big prices. And if I'm looking at a race and I think it's sort of logical or I don't really have a strong opinion, most of the time I'm not going to bother unless we're doing like a full sequence 
um, you know, analysis or doing some sort of a preview show for something else. But when I'm just giving out best bets a lot of the time, I'll try to give you the horses that I think can really help you out or ones that I would I would really want to recommend to throw in to your, your pick six ticket if you're building one. Let's talk about race number seven, and let's look at the number five, Magical Loot. So we can pull up a few things. First off, we can see that Magical Loot was very good in the debut, a runner-up back in July at Churchill in a maiden special weight race. That was going six furlongs stretched out on September the 16th. And, you know, in the debut had a brutal start, but kind of recovered pretty well, moved through on the inside, um, still was settling like towards the rear, well, about seven or eight lengths off. So we're still talking about the debut here and found an opening kind of tipped out was really good. Second that day career start. Number two on September the 16th was a, a better start that day was close up, but, then all of a sudden in between horses and get shuffled back horse who wins that day was the name uh, was named Betacudo. We saw a horse named moon magic. Chrissy also in that race, come back to win their next start. And it was some sneaky trouble for magical loot. Now we have not seen her since September. So the layoff is obviously going to be, uh, you know, something that you worry about with her, but it's built into her price. It's not like she's a short price in this race. She should have some of that improvement now, Moving from two to three, there could be some some built-in upside. You look at her tab, steady tab to get prepped for this. And you know that this barn is certainly capable of getting a horse ready to fire off the bench. So it's great. We can pull up the statistics here. And we can see days between starts. And we can go uh, 180 plus. We can see that this barn has been four, is 14% in a five-year sample size. Certainly capable with the right type of horses getting them to win. So I'm giving Magical Loot a look at distances like this at six and a half furlongs in a race where you're going to be dealing with, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven first-time starters. All three of the inside horses are first-timers. You have another couple, six and seven, both making their career debuts. Then towards the outside, you've got the 10, 11, also first-time starters. in. For me, at least, a lot of times debuting at six and a half or seven, it's not the easiest distance in which to debut. Usually, these horses that have at least a race under their belt and a little bit of fitness can can wear you down late. So let's throw in the five magical loot. If we can get anything over five to one, we'll make a win wager there on magical loot. Let's move to the ninth race. This one is the Double Dog Dare. And in this race, Greenup is coming back off a long layoff for Pletcher. Greenup was favored in the Cotillion. You have Interstate uh, Interstate Daydream, who made her first start back. She looks like she fits really well in here, right? She should take a nice step forward, making her second start back. She has the benefit of the race uh, uh, under her, whereas Greenup has not raced in September. And then you have uh, Hidden Connection. I feel like those are the the horses that are going to take the bulk of the support in here. Hidden Connection started was off for a while. I was going to say started this year, but it really wasn't this year, right? When she came back from the bench, it was still the end of 2022. It was November. She was third. She came back in her second start back. She crushed. Then at Sam Houston, she was a good second behind Pauline's Pearl. And last time out, she was a little bit overmatched just based on her price, right? The horses in front of her just a little bit better. This is a better spot for her. But the one that's intriguing to me and, and might be a playable price in here is uh, Traverse. You sort of start looking at this filly overall. She has not done much wrong. 
First few starts all in big fields at Turfway. Didn't run poorly in any of them. She's off for a few months. She shows back up in a new barn. And she goes on the dirt. Back-to-back wins at Churchill. Beats a first-level allowance group really nicely. Then she goes and tries the stakes race at Oaklawn. She has legitimate traffic that day. And then comes back in her next two easy victories. She was about two lengths off chasing lone speed last time out. She kept to the outside. She moved into contention without really being asked. Visually pretty impressive. Can she take another step forward here? She obviously, she has to, right? And again, the price will be built in because if green up shows up with a top performance, something close to that race back in August, uh, of not many can, uh, can compete. Interstate Daydream's top race would be pretty good in here. Hidden Connection, needs to improve a little bit. So obviously the uh, the two and the four are going to take a lot of the money for a reason, but the horse to me that's with upside, maybe one big step forward here, puts her right in the mix. That's the one, the Traverse. And let's finish up in race number 10 with a, a price horse who I think is a little bit interesting. So Keeneland 10th race, the number one moon cat is a horse that we followed for a while. And sometimes these horses that you've had your eye on for a while, maybe you bet them once or... They made you money or you, you know, you just kind of notice them getting in trouble. Um, when I've watched all these, all four of this horse's career and just been paying attention every time he ran in his debut, a little bit better than looks, had some trouble, was chasing lone speed. The horse dude in Colorado came, has come back to be a nice horse so far. And, and Mooncat's had to deal with him twice. Second start, first time on the turf, Mooncat is a winner. Breaks the maiden at, at Gulfstream. Honestly, on February the 4th, doesn't really fire that day, but this was a tough race. So the winner, Major Dude, he won, you know, the Kitten's Joy, and then comes back in second in the uh, in the Jeff Ruby Stakes. Candidate is graded stakes place, came back and ran in the Transylvania. Dude in Colorado, who he's had to face a couple times, is a stakes winner and graded stakes place, also came back and ran in the Transylvania. Congruent won the Bataglia. So this was a pretty good group that Mooncat just got beat up by. In the race most recently on March the 11th. So he finishes sixth here. But the horse who he's defeated by was a horse named Farbridge. Now, now, and keep in mind too, as I'm sort of rambling and going back and forth, the February 4th race also is on a good turf course. So not only was it a very strong group, but just may not have liked the way the turf came up that day. Again, so keep in mind with the weather and stuff, but a, an excuse for maybe why he didn't run that well. But the Far Bridge race. Far Bridge is nice. Two for two. Incredibly impressive in both. So let's watch Mooncat. And he's, he finishes sixth, right? So on paper, it doesn't look like he runs that good of a race. So he's a four in here. I thought it was a little bit better than it might have looked on paper. So let's watch him just a few steps into it. He has to sort of take up right here and kind of right about here. Well, and he stumbles. He kind of almost clips heels. He's in some traffic, and you see now all of a sudden he's a little bit farther back than where he would have liked. And after they bunch up and he goes into the turn, he's actually dead last at like 12th of 12 as the horse to the outside comes up on him a little bit and he gets stuck down on the inside. So, you know, he's at the back, and this is just always such a bad spot to be. When, and it's unlucky, right? He 
got kind of squeezed, pushed back, and then took a bad step. And now he's last on the inside behind traffic and can't even really go anywhere. Pinned in with the horse to his outside. Can't even make one of those early moves to the outside if he wanted. Just nowhere to go. So he's waiting. This point, he's about seven or eight lengths off. He's going to start to come into your view in a second. He's still behind, you know, the nine. Who The nine sort of takes up right there, which... We can't even see Mooncat, but that bumps Mooncat even farther back because he's right behind him. So um, here comes the four again now down to the inside in, in some tight quarters, but moving through pretty nicely here. Now watch him right here. He's got some momentum and he's trying to hit this hole and, and he just cannot get in between horses right here. As the six comes out, he can't get there. He has to angle out. Watch where he finishes with this next group of horses. Honestly, the difference between sixth and second might have been him just not shifting out. And the winner was that very impressive winner. Let's watch just that finish one more time. So here comes the four with all that momentum right now. He's got all the momentum. Can he just follow the nine right through? And he, he he's going to beat the six who's tiring. Now he's got to shift out and he loses all that momentum. I honestly think he could have gotten in front of the three and the one at least a little bit closer. And so when you look at the race on paper, you see that he finished sixth. Doesn't look like it was all that great. Earned a really good speed figure because the race is, is a strong one behind a nice horse. Blinkers on, get him a little bit more focused. Johnny V has not been doing well at the meet, so he'd love to pick up a couple victories if possible. Mooncat, the number one. Mooncat. In race number 10. So there's a look at a couple for Keeneland for Friday. Thanks so much for uh, hanging out with us here. Best of luck, Keeneland Friday. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. That's what G said podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast, come and listen. We'll always put a lot of these videos that we have up. We'll put all the audio on there too. And uh, uh, make sure to play the races over at DRF Bets. And for all the information that you need, DRF.com. Good luck. Before we get into Santa Anita for Friday, we want to let you know about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, Cindy Carava, full service realtor, Cindy Carava. Her website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. And as a full service realtor, she can help you out with you know, buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to the right type of vendors if you need help with home improvement, gardeners, landscapers, all sorts of folks that she has experience working with, folks that she knows, that she trusts, that are really going to help spruce your place up and look great. If you need help with the, the loan process, she can connect you to the right type of lender that'll expedite that process for you, make your life easier. Maybe you just want help with a free market analysis of your home's value. She'll do that for you. She'll let you know what's going on in the market. She'll let you know when's the right time to make a move. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com. Let's get into Santa Anita for Friday. After a short break, racing is back at the great race place. Santa Anita, Friday. Let's dive in. I've got a couple plays for you. If you're looking at the Friday card, and we're looking at daily racing form, drf.com, formulator, past performances for me. Love the ability to just one-click to race replays, one-click to charts. Let's dive in, and we'll just start with race number one, the opener, on Friday. First post at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, 1 p.m. Pacific time. And I'm going to go... To the number seven in here, Petruccio, who is 10 to 1 on the morning line. Now, you'll notice that this is a horse who 
has spent the bulk of his career facing tougher. He has always been pretty good on the turf, too. You can see he stakes placed, and then he just had a tough time stringing races together, and he was facing tough company. The Oceanside, the Del Mar Derby, the Let It Ride, back-to-back-to-back stakes. Then he was off from November to July, showed back up in July and September. That September race at the 32 non-2 level, it's a little bit better than it might have looked. And He was actually favored that day. And he came back in his next start in a 50, like an optional claiming 50. uh, And it was a pretty good effort. He was second that day in a field of 10. So you start diving into his races. They're not bad. I think they're a little bit better than they may look at first glance. The February 11th race was also a pretty good one. And that's the one that is, is really comparable to this race. I mean, the key for him in here, he's going to be coming from, way out of it he's a deeper closer in these sprint races and he's never really been a horse with all that much speed i mean for the bulk of his races you've seen him try to have to come from out of it early on in his career showed a little bit more speed but this february 11th race he says he settles inside let's watch it let's watch it we have the ability to do so so let's do that he's number two in here hey frankie how you doing frank miramati the voice of santa anita so petruccio in the race we're watching here is the number two. So, okay, start there, and it will just sort of settle behind horses down on the inside. Um, not too far out of it. Gets a, a little outrun here, but maybe about five lengths off. Not too much. Don't love the spot down on the inside. I mean, when you're a better, right? You got to save all the ground and just hope for the best when you're in that two hole, but you always sort of feel like there's going to be some traffic that develops in front of you. So, stays inside, and watch how close this horse moves all the way up to the inside about to contend down there red cap starting to move into contention and it opens up nicely it looks like for him to move right into it cuts the corner and all of a sudden he is right there trying to find somewhere to go and just gets stopped nowhere to go tries to shift out and that's honestly the difference between being beaten by a length and possibly winning the race right look he's still trying and coming back but there's just not a lot of room in between and if he's just able to continue on with his momentum does he win this race or is he right there on the wire so following that march 19th he runs into a horse named law abiding and just by looking at the chart we can see law abiding just wins this race gate to wire so a horse like petruccio in that type of a race he has no chance So now maybe his form is a little bit buried because he's not a win machine, but seeing that he's a horse who needs some pace to run at, let's look to his inside. Black Magician is really quick. You have Tangled Up in Gray, who's really quick, and the blinkers are coming on. Mendez Millie, who's Mendez Mile, who's really quick also. Thunder Heart. And then Franklin One Star draws the rail, which will probably force him a little bit. We could see, honestly, all four of the inside horses and the six showing speed in here. That would be nice for Petruccio backers. 10 to one on the morning line, six to one ish feels about right. Wouldn't want to take too short on him because of his running style. He needs the right type of setup, but he's capable of winning at the level. These are the type of horses. I like to bet horses who, you know, can win with the right type of trip. You just have to hope you get it. And in this race, it looks like there are versions of this race where we will get that Petruccio. 
Let's move to the fifth race. We have three plays for Santa Anita Friday, three races that we're looking at. Fifth race, going to go to the outside, the number seven, Chrome to Riches. Carla Gaines is a very good trainer that does really well when horses have a couple races of experience. So we can just look at the numbers real quick. When you pull up Carla Gaines stats with first-time starters, they're not great. Just rarely wins with first-time starters. Three for 86 over the last five years. Just doesn't really work horses hard to get them ready first time out. She lets them use the races to build fitness because then we can go to second career start and see much better. Nine for 78, 12% versus 3%. And we even take another look at the third career start, which is the horse that we're looking at today. Even better, 10 for 71, 14%. So, you can just see right there that, and that's the case with most, right? It's not easy to win first time out, but there are some barns that are really good first time out. And a lot of the times, you know, they get their horses um, ready to rock and ready to fire first time. I like the pattern for this horse who has a race, couple months off, back on March the 25th, showed some improvement. And broke out, settled last, closed late. The winner that day was a horse named Old Pal who was the four to five favorite and was really impressive and is coming back this weekend and will be pretty tough. Another one who hasn't shown a whole lot of speed, but he's making his second start now going long. And if we look to his inside, silent heat should be forwardly placed. Work day could be forwardly placed. Stan for Malibu is stretching out. You'd imagine he's going to be forwardly placed. Johnny paycheck showed speed the first time he went long last time out. So can we see combinations of any of those four horses in this field showing speed, which would set up nicely for Chrome to Riches, who's going to take back? So we just check a few boxes. Second start going long. Barn better with horses like this who have a little bit more experience. Overall, this race seems like it has a bit more pace and should set up well. Chrome to Riches, four to one on the morning line. Wouldn't want to take much less than about three. Four to one feels nice, you know, seven to two ish in that range. Less than three would probably pass. But let's move to the ninth race. And let's take a look at the number one from the inside. Map to my heart. Now, the last race we looked at, actually both of the races at Santa Anita were races that I thought might have enough speed to set up for the horses I've selected. This race, we're hoping that Map to my heart just goes. She's a five-year-old for JMS, and we can see she's had a lot of gaps, right? So they've been a little unlucky with her. She's shown ability, though. Right off the bat, she was third. She's shown good positional speed in most of her starts in legitimate sprint races. Look at a couple of the horses that she's run into. One named Distracted Princess, who won by 13, then came back and won by six and a half with a 93 buyer speed figure. And the these two races back-to-back -back were tough ones. The January 29th race in 2022, we had three horses come out of there and win their next start. Ironic Twist, Musica. Also saw Bellamore come back to win next out. We've seen Bellamore in graded stakes races recently. Multiple graded stakes plays now. So Map to My Heart has faced some tough horses along the way. She's been facing Maiden Special Weights in all of her races before the February race this year when she came back off of a year-plus layoff. And she did what you would expect a horse to do coming off of a year layoff like that. She had a good start, but... The horse to the outside, Ava Storm, was a little bit quicker. Let's watch. Map to my heart was fast. 
but the horse to her outside was a little bit faster and it put her in a spot where she had no choice but to just take back a bit. So let's watch Map to My Heart. She's the nine here. Ava Storm, who's drawn to the also eligible, is the 11. And Map to My Heart is the gray. So we can see her right out there. She's right there, right with the leaders. But, what you know, is she going to keep going and then get sort of stuck in between? They have to sort of take back a little bit here. And then it's so hard. You know, you take back, you get shuffled, and you try to come on again. She did try to re-rally, too. She ends up not not having worked out a bad spot in third. But remember, this was the first start since January of 2022. So I think no matter what, in this race, she was going to get a little bit tired. The key for me in watching the race was just seeing that that speed was still there. Because with the inside draw, you look to her outside. We don't have that much proven speed in here could the two be a little bit more forwardly placed the blinkers come on absolutely could you know whirly girly sure miss lizzie coming cutting back from a mile on the synthetic though you know you, you go through this field i would just love to see map to my heart set from the inside for corner and good luck jms friday santa anita that's April the 21st. Good luck. Three plays for you throughout the card. Always look for the value. So for me in the last race, I, I won about five to one on map to my heart. Showing that speed from the inside. Hoping Barrio sends hard map to my heart. Good luck on Friday at Santa Anita. And remember, if you need any help with the Saturday races, we have you covered with a few for Santa Anita, with a few for Keeneland. Subscribe to the podcast. That's what G said anywhere you get your podcast. Or come give me a follow on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. Good luck with your Friday Santa Anita plays. Let's flip from Friday to Saturday. Let's head back over to Keeneland for Saturday. I'm going to take a look at races 5, 7, 8, and 9 for Saturday. Kick back and enjoy as we uh, spend about 10, 15 minutes talking about our plays for Keeneland Saturday. Let's take a look at some Keeneland Saturday racing with the daily racing form, past performances, drf.com, formulator for me for the past performances. Uh, let's dive on in. And I have uh, some thoughts on races 5, 7, 8, and 9 on the card for Saturday. So as we move to race number 5, we will take a look at uh, my stance in this race is a little different than normal. Like I'm normally giving you a horse or maybe one or two horses Usually it's just a horse that I really like in each race or some races throughout the day. This race, I'm just a little anti on the favorite. So whatever your approach is and whatever type of multis that you're playing in this race, I thought there were a couple interesting horses and I don't like the three. This is a horse who I actually bet in the juvenile Phillies turf back in 2021. And following that race, she's just been really disappointing. Like she just never, that was when she was two and she didn't really continue to progress now she came here last year and she was in the breeders cup and then in the american oaks she took money in the american oaks she had a she had some trouble in there too but she's gonna take a ton of money in this race and i think try to beat her in the multis the one is interesting at a big price i think she has some upside should be able to save all the ground what makes this race pretty tough there's just so little speed in here so you have to use a couple that would project to be right on the front end, like the seven. It's not as if she's fast, but she just might be a little quicker than some of these. 
I actually wouldn't be shocked if Beach Nut Trophy just by default is kind of closer than normal in here. This is not a fast group at all in this race. So we're against the three, looking at horses to include the one, the four, Lovely Princess. Wouldn't be shocked to see this one kind of close up early. She's actually shown some positional speed and almost broke her maiden, basically pushing the pushing the pace, going a mile and an eight. And I mentioned the one. So like one, four, seven, eight. I might use combinations of those in the multis, just taking a swing against the favorite. Or maybe you just sort of wait and you see which of these horses are the are the, the best price. And then you can play this race sort of individually and try to beat the three. Let's move to the seventh race on Saturday. It's a six for a long sprint for Phillies, three years old, which have never won two. The five a little in this race. Let's pull up the five on the uh, DRF past performances. Zapple. Now she's raced three times. This is going to be her second start as a three-year-old. Debut winner at Ellis Park in the slop. Just crushes, wins by nine. And she's right on the lead that day. Comes back in her second start. They try a stakes race and she just doesn't fire, but she's off from March, uh, from August all the way to March. So just eliminate that race. Don't even judge her off of that August 14th race. It was too bad to actually use. That, that doesn't give a, a fair estimate of her talent. But she comes back off the bench and this March 10th race. She's close up third. Then she gets shuffled back in between horses. She loses like four lengths. She gets outrun a little bit after that. Then she closes well. She's three deep. She's in between. That was a solid second. Again, you sort of go through the positives for her. That was her first start since March, March, so seven months off. That was her first start since August, so seven months, seven months off. Now she goes second off the bench, second start at three, first time LASIK. She's been working at Keeneland. She's got a little versatility too. She was closer up in that race before she got shuffled back, and she did show speed in her debut. I think the the five has that versatility in this race that I like because from the rail Aunt Becca probably forced to go with the inside draw unsung melody success when showing speed the last two they're going to want to go devious stairs close up for Shado, not far right all of these horses want to be close in the seven also so I like the fact that the five's proven yeah I can show a little bit speed but I also can close and pass horses second off the bench now the five zapple anything six to one plus Feels fair. Right next door, it's the grade two Elkhorn in race number eight. couple that I like in here, I would use in multi-races. The old warrior, the number nine channel maker, he he just wants to be forwardly placed. And in the races where he can sit a good trip or get the lead, he can win those races. Like he won the Elkhorn last year. He doesn't win often anymore, but he is a nine-time winner and 3.7 million through the years. And Looking at this race, there's not very much early speed. I think it's it's his from the rail if he wants to go. Horse like the three, Rising Empire, they can get aggressive uh, as they did last time out. Wouldn't be a shock to see maybe like one other show a little bit of speed. Maybe from out here, like Verstappen. But I think it's, it's Channel Maker's pace to sort of dictate. So I'd use the one and then a couple other big prices. The four, another mystery. So that fairgrounds race last time out was three wide, about seventh or eighth, five lengths off. He was all the way up to within a length, but then no real late punch. They would go so slow in a lot of those turf races at fairgrounds. He he fits with this group, though. Like his top races aren't far off, and he's going to be a big price. These are the type of horses I like throwing in. 
And then the the one with upside, the seven, how uh, how street? I think I said how great, how street. So debut, good effort back in April of 2022, and then is off for a long time. Shows back up on January the 20th. We're talking eight months. Wins nicely. Then stretches out to a mile and three eighths. It was really impressive. Just three wide, four length off and loomed up. That's usually not the type of trip that wins on the turf when you're wide like that. Can he take one more step forward and then be pretty competitive with this group? Yeah, I think the seven fits well here. I feel like he's going to get bet too from that 10 to one price. He feels more like a horse that should be five to one ish. So if he's five plus, we'll give him a, you know, a look at playing in this race. One, four, and seven for me in this eighth race. And as we move to the ninth race, it's the grade three, Ben Ali. And I think the four, Skippy Longstocking is the horse to beat. I think the horse to bet might be the number seven, Tawny Port. Was starting to get pretty good last year. Won the Lexington, didn't run poorly in the Derby, comes back and wins the Ohio Derby, not far behind Epicenter and Zandon in the Jim Dandy. And then after that, he just, you know, he doesn't show up. He doesn't fire in the Pennsylvania Derby, put a line right through it. He's off from September to February. He shows back up in February in a race that he needs off the bench. And on March the 18th, he hooks the last Samurai, Classic Causeway, Forza Dioro, Vittorio. And look at the top four finishers in this race. They were sitting one, two, three, four throughout. It was the no passing zone. Tawny Port was the only horse who made up any ground in that race at all. So now in here, kind of playing this race out, going down to the inside, you have Pioneer Medina, who should be forwardly placed. You have Trademark, who he has a tough time sitting when they're going like farther distances like this. Look at his fractions. When they go anything 48-ish, 47-ish, he's right on the lead to the half. When they go quicker than that, then he can, then he comes from off the pace. The race is where he's gone, where they go 46, he's off the pace early, where they're going 46 or so. But if they're in that 47, 48 range, he's going to be right in the mix too. Trademark, possibly the one, definitely the three, call me fast. I think they're going to want to go, especially coming off that race where they had a bad start last time. Skippy Longstocking wants to be close. So now it's not a huge field, but we could have a, a few of these horses all trying to jockey for a position, and that could set things up for a few of the horses to sit from off the pace, like Tawny Port. Rattle and Roll is pretty honest. Sort of look through the form overall. He had a slow start last time out. He was chasing West Will Power, who really freaked that day. Top two finishers in there were West Will Power and Art Collector, another race where there wasn't a whole ton of passing. Those horses just sat right off. So I'd, I'd stack this race 7-4-5. Tawny Port, I think Skippy Longstocking is the horse to beat. Pretty versatile. A good year last year. You know, we earned $700,000. If you don't remember, this horse was third in the Belmont. Skippy's the horse to beat. Tawny's the horse to bet. Rattle and roll would be no shock for me. Some thoughts on Keeneland for Saturday. Best of luck playing the races this weekend. Good luck on Saturday over at Keeneland. So you want to set the mood, you're looking for something all natural, soy wax, non-toxic maybe, scents for every season, now don't be afraid baby, just spell it out. C-E-R-A-N-O-S dot com, and don't forget.
Promo code Gino gets you 10% off. Mm-hmm. Mother's Day is coming up. Great gift for your mom. A couple candles, different scents. Use that promo code G-I-N-O. It'll get you 10% off your purchase. And these, and you can let her know, these are not normal candles. They're all natural, no, uh, the soy wax. So no toxins, no carcinogens, no pollutants. They are much healthier for you. And that soy wax actually burns a little bit longer for you. These were created specially by my buddy over at Sarah Candles, Tyler Herringer, C-E-R-A candles.com. Use that promo code G-I-N-O. It'll get you 10% off your purchase. Let's finish up the racing. We move to Santa Anita for Saturday. We'll take a look at uh, what race one, and then kind of a quick glance at the late pick five racing sequence for Saturday at Santa Anita. Don't forget about those free pick'em contests. They are back this weekend. 500 to enter, or f- free to enter, 500 to the winner. They're free. They are free, folks. You get 500 bucks if you win those things. They don't cost you a penny to put your entry in. Uh, right now, let's talk all about Santa Anita for Saturday. Okay, let's take a look at Santa Anita for Saturday. I have a few plays throughout the card. You can. Pull up the daily racing form, past performances at drf.com. Those are the ones that I'm always using when I'm doing the uh, the handicapping and the videos and the the podcasts and all the the segments. And uh, I think we can get a play right off the bat on Saturday in race number one, the number six TikTok famous. Sort of look at the form of this one coming in. TikTok famous is a horse who has been in some tough races. What I like about this mare is she seems like she was a little unlucky in that. She would be able to race once or twice and then need some time off. Race once, need some time off. Race once or twice. It's hard to get really fit when that happens. And horses are all different. Some of them need time off in between a lot of their starts. I personally love when you see a horse like this that has a lot of gaps once they're able to string races together. I always feel like you're just going to get a more fit animal overall. And I think that'll be the case with TikTok Famous. You know, she showed a little more speed in her last two races than she had for the bulk of her career where she was a little bit more of a tracking type. I just like that it seems she has some versatility now. You get Jose Valdivia Jr. aboard who is usually a little more patient overall. And I just think she's coming out of some strong races. The February 3rd race was her first start for Papa Padromo, and it was the first start since September. So it was a race that she probably needed. She's a little fresh. She showed speed that day. And look at some of the horses that she ran into. Macadamia, who came back to run second in the graded stakes race. Buzz of New York, who came back to win next time out and was very, very sharp before stepping up into graded stakes company and lost in the grade three Santa Ana to Ballet Dancing, who was also in that race. So this is a strong race. It's an allowance race that we've seen a graded stakes winner and another graded stakes placed horse already come back out of. And then she steps up in the Buena Vista and is behind Quattrell, Macadamia. Closing Remarks was in there. Closing Remarks comes out of that race after finishing third. She wins the grade two Royal Heroine in her next start. So TikTok famous coming out of some strong races. She's shown a little bit of speed in each of them, but we know she can sit off the pace too. She'll be making the third start of her form cycle, getting a little bit of class relief. Didn't really love anyone else in here. And I feel like if she's seven to two, should be a really nice price for her chances of winning this thing. TikTok famous, you know, Phenom will be flashing some speed here. TikTok famous. If you have a group of horses that are going to be shorter prices than her, maybe the one, the four, and the five. 
So we could have the fourth choice in this small field here. If you're playing like multi exotics, that could go a long way. So anything in that, you know, three to one plus that's value for me on TikTok famous in the opener on Saturday. Let's go to the sixth race down the hill. And I'm going to go to the outside here. There are two horses that I think are interesting. If you want to you know, talk about exotics and you can make a case for a lot in here. Unbridled Mary is very talented. One silk stocking, super talented. Kitty Katano got pulled up last time out and she'll take a bunch of money here. So I'm, I'm not sure if you want to take her at this price. She's burned money. She's been your favorite in three of the last four starts. And she's won one of those races. Now I do think the five might be the quickest in here. So if anyone can catch a flyer, Princess Adelie will try the turf for the first time. There's not an overwhelming turf pedigree, at least direct turf pedigree here, but she should be fine on the grass. And if she's able to get the lead after having just won at seven furlongs, she could be tough to run down. The horse to the outside pressing her though, Pammy's ready, I think fits pretty well. She'll go second start back. She's drawn well to the outside down the hill is where you want to be. She can sit close. She was right on the lead in her last race. It was just a small field. So those really small fields sometimes can be a little deceiving because everybody has to be a little bit closer. And she's sort of in the three path. She moved up to second in the two path. So she has two races at six and a half furlongs down the hill. The last time we saw her down the hill, she was second, beaten the neck in a stakes race at 20 to one. She ran awesome that day. The other time was the last race right before a long layoff. And so she didn't run well that day, but she had legitimate traffic trouble, sort of just got backed up. And then we didn't see her for six months. So that was probably a race with a legitimate excuse. I think the downhill layout fits her pretty well. Pammy's ready, the number seven in race number six. She's five to one on the morning nine. We need at least about seven to two here for Pammy's ready. Let's move to race number seven. So I thought there were a couple interesting prices to use in here. The number five tenacious lady. Look at her races against maiden claimers. The first two, they were not bad. She was beaten a couple lengths, finishing third in a field of 11 at Churchill. Comes back at Del Mar. She's favored. Slow start, but she's still close up. In, in both of those sprint races on the dirt, she was not far out of it early. She's off for a few months, shows back up going long on the turf, just misses the break. And that's the concern that we have is that now we've seen about three times where she's been her own worst enemy at the start. But if we watch her most recent race, she was the 10 in this race we're going to watch. And or she's so she's the 10 out here and she doesn't have a bad start, right? She's not far off. She's right with the, the like the, the group. But all the horses to her inside are going to go and she's way out wide. What is she going to do? Be seven wide and just keep going? She has to take back a little bit. I think there's a, a little more speed. And because she's not drawn so wide this time, they may be able to use it. The number five tenacious lady is going to be in some of the exotics for me. I thought the three with the blinkers on, we know she's really quick. And she'll put two starts together now. She was racing at Gulfstream at Churchill, came over to Santa Anita off the bench, showed speed, faded like we would have expected. Could she be a little bit sharper now? And... The two is probably the horse to beat, in my opinion, this first-time starter for John Sadler. The dam won the debut. Magical touch. She won three of four. This is the first full that she's produced to race. And 
I will say the barn has been struggling a little bit with first time starters though. So when you check out this, the last five years of first time starters for Sadler, I always like to get a big sample size and then a smaller sample size. So you get the big sample size first last five years, 15%, 23 for one fifty six. Then let's shrink it down a little bit. Let's go first time starters over the last one year. And we have two for 32. So the barn's struggling a little bit. Look at the recent first-time starters. Second, third, 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 second, second, just in the last 10. So while struggling, maybe unlucky is a a better way of describing it, right? Because a lot of these horses are firing, especially recently. And if just two or three of them win, all of a sudden those numbers look a lot better and probably closer to where they are uh, where they are in the bigger sample. So that's the two gray magic. There's a couple of horses I was looking at in this race. It's, it's a pretty contentious race though, to be, to be honest. I mean, the seven fits with the group, the eight, it's a really good spot for a barn who is due for a little bit of luck, right? They've had a lot of slices so far at the meet, but this is a maiden who's been facing winners. And this is no doubt the softest spot that she's going to be in. And the only other time, she was in a a dirt sprint, which was on January the 2nd. She was in a bad spot down on the inside and clipped heels. So it's really tough to use that race only as a gauge for her. Kind of a fun race. It's a lower level race, right? It's just a maiden 20 claimer, but I think you can make a case for a couple prices. 5-3, the two looks live, and then towards the outside, neither one of them would shock. So let's get to, where do we want to finish up? Race number 10 for my final play. I just... I thought the if you're looking at some of these later races too, I was pretty, like, pretty captain obvious in the eighth. I thought the three would be tough with the six and the nine. Just really couldn't make cases for anything more than what would be the top choices there. And then the Californian, I, I don't know. I can't find a way to get past the funded. I'm always trying to. I I just don't love the prices on the other possibilities. Can maybe a Parnelli or a Royal Ship win this race? Sure, with their best effort. But Royal Ship's going to be the second choice in probably like five to two or three to one. With his recent form, it's really hard to trust him at that type of a price. You'd want a little more. And for Parnelli, he's going to have to run the best race he's ever run in his life to compete, and you're not going to get all that much rewarded. The four probably pushes the pace. Mr. Impossible. Yeah, he's nice. He's... He's stepping forward. This is probably a tough spot for him with, with defunded with an A game from defunded. You know, does a horse like Kiss Today Goodbye get the type of setup with a career, one of his better efforts? He has a couple that would fit. Just seems like defunded gets the rail draw. He's probably the fastest. He's definitely the classiest. At it's not a race that I'm going to be getting involved in all that much. I just I don't see much price uh, opportunity. The last race is kind of a fun one. You can make a case for the two O'Banion. He had a slow start when he debuted in Ireland. He was down towards the rail, kind of shifted around and he tipped out late in between. Not a bad effort. Now he's in the D'Amato barn. Adventuresome is a first time starter. The dam was a three time winner. Half to a six time turf winner. You can get all that just by clicking real quick. Dam three for four, won the first three starts. And then you see, watch your own bobber was a six-time winner on the turf, was multiple stakes winner, was a graded stakes place turf runner. And nobody else tried the turf of the direct siblings. I guess Mr. Cheerful tried it twice, but we didn't see a whole lot of turf 
from any of the others. No real turf success. So for me, the horse that I think is going to get a really good trip in here is the four, Vegas Burner. He has two turf races. His first turf start was a really good race. It was his career best. He finished second. The horse who won that day named Valiancer, he came right back to win his next start. And then he came back after that to finish third in a stakes race. That's a nice horse he was behind. In the fourth place finisher that day, she won their next start in a Calbred Maiden special weight race and earned a 78 buyer speed figure in doing so. So the race has come back very strong. March the 4th, he's on a good turf course and he just has a wide trip. But in here, he's the speed drawn most inside. He comes out running. He could be pretty tough. I think the four and the six will be my top horses in here. The four is the horse I'll play if we can get about five to one or so. The six acquired class, he was in a tight spot. He was buried down on the inside without a ton of room. He split horses late. Now he adds the blinks. He goes second start off the long layoff. For me, he's really hard to leave out. So I have four six as the top tier. Twelve. Smooth as usual is a first-time starter. The dam was a winner sprinting on the turf. And this guy's a full sibling to Smooth Like Straight. He's a full bro. Smooth Like Straight has earned $1.8 million. This is a grade one winner. He won the Shoemaker Mile. We've seen him finish second in the Breeders' Cup Mile. So nice pedigree there. Just a tough position, post position for the, uh, the 12 to debut. The two was the wild card who I mentioned coming in from uh, Ireland. The race wasn't bad. And looks like they're perking this one up in the mornings a little bit. The five wouldn't shock me that much either. This horse did not, was down towards the inside in that race in Dundalk earlier this year. And solid gallop out was not beat a whole lot in that race. Now gets Lasix for the first time. So I sort of stacked them in here. Four, six was my top tier. 12, two would be the next horses I'm looking at. Three, five would be the next group. Vegas burner, the play if we can get five to one. Best of luck on Saturday at Santa Anita. Don't forget about those free pick'em contests at Santa Anita. Pick'em.SantaAnita.com. Totally free to enter. 500 bucks to the winner. And they are combinations of questions involving the Santa Anita Saturday card and some of the NBA games, some baseball games, hockey games. They're cross-sport props. Um, a lot of fun. Free to enter. 500 bucks to the winner. Pick'em.SantaAnita.com. Check them out there. Good luck on Saturday at Santa Anita. Hopefully we were able to lead you to a few winners over the Friday-Saturday races at Santa Anita and at Keeneland. Let's finish up this episode of That's What G Said with a nice lengthy edition of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. We talk all about WWE SmackDown, Raw, NXT, Tuesday Night. We talk about AEW Dynamite, everything going on on all those shows, all the major news, all the major storylines, what we love, what we didn't. Chad Coop, Coopaloop on this week in wrestling. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ. The one and only Chad Cooper. Time for another edition of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on That's What G Said podcast. Coop Loop, my man. 
we uh, will start over with SmackDown last week. And right now we're kind of in a weird time period for the WWE because we are just a week out from the draft. And you can sort of feel like they're trying to not start a whole bunch of new stuff before the draft. We can feel people getting like a little bit of a refresher but they're also trying to build to this pay-per-view in Puerto Rico, which does look really good on paper. So there's a, a couple different things they're all trying to do at the same time. Yeah. You know, the interesting part about it is, well, usually when we're in these weird spots, it's really a lull. I mean, I'm not blaming one person, but it is what it is. It's it's really it's like, ah, we just got to make it to, you know, this draft or we just got to make it to this pay-per-view and we'll be good man i gotta tell you these shows have, have you know other than the night after mania the raw they've been mania, solid these shows have been really good smackdown was really really good you had some bangers and this past monday night raw with some bangers this may fit this this show coming up in puerto rico is sold out i, I mean you have a six-man tag as your main right and it is just all systems are go, and it just seems like right now they're doing really, really well without Roman being physically on TV. But, yeah, I'm with you. There's a couple of spots that it's like, yeah, let's get there. But they've done some they, really, they've done really a, good things, though. I, I agree. They, they've done a good job with, with a lot of that they're having to do. Um, Matt Riddle sort of slid into sure. a, a top position, and – the one guy who week in, week out just keeps getting elevated is Solo Sokoa, man. Yeah, man. And it, you just wonder, like, the sky's the limit with this guy, where they could go. Because they could they could tell so many stories with him and how strong they've been keeping him. So uh, let's start over on SmackDown and dive into a few of the things from SmackDown from last week. Well, we got the return of Shinsuke Nakamura, which was great to see Nakamura. And he actually mentioned um, that... In going to be a part of the Great Muda's retirement match, it rejuvenated him, and he wants to go after some world titles. So Nakamura, maybe someone who has never got the world title in WWE. He was an NXT champ. He's been an IC and a US champ. He's at least got enough clout where you can sort of insert him anywhere, and it wouldn't really feel off. I don't know if Nakamura is going to be a guy who's going to win the title, but if you put him in a feud, in a match against Roman for a pay-per-view, I think it would be okay if these two titles, if the titles split up again and they're back to two different titles, he could absolutely be someone that challenged, I guess, Seth Rollins or uh, whomever was the champ. He would be fine again to put in for a Gunther or an Austin Theory. He's a really nice utility player to have because you can you can put him anywhere. Good, good, good. So good to have him back. Uh, in WWE and in the ring, it, this was this guy came in with all the praise and expectations, and uh, he hasn't been able to hit all of them for a lot of different reasons. Uh, there was some bad booking. Um, he's he's dealt with several injuries, as you and I both have mentioned on uh, here before. He's not the youngest, um, but I like the presentation with him coming back. Things looked, you know, he, he had a glorified squash for against. Poor guy, Mad Cat Moss, who you and I both thought a couple of months ago could be a mid-card major player. Um, 
things looked a little bit different for uh, for Shinsuke. I, I would love a program with him and Roman. You you talk about a great match. Those two would tear the house down. Mm-hmm. Belie- believable he would he would win? No. No. But excited? Absolutely, man. That that look Shinsuke. I, for, even without Pat McAfee standing on the SmackDown announcer's table. This guy still gets a lot of pop. Crowd loves him. Dude, the, crowd the loves arena. him. And they love the music. They showed it last Friday night. They love yeah. his gestures. He has, he has been able to do what a lot Asuka, of the that, that uh, Oscar has. I was gonna say a lot of the time. the wrestlers that don't speak English and have a harder time getting over here. What they can't do is have that charisma without being able to cut a twenty minute promo because you don't have to. You don't have to do that to connect with the crowd. He's been able to do that really, really well. Honestly, from the first time he showed up when he had that match with Sami Zayn, which was oh yeah, an unbelievable yeah. match. And Sami was sitting in the corner. I remember Sami <laughs> just sitting down there and like taking it all in. That was so cool. Nakamura, he is back. Um, now, conflicting feelings about the LA Knight versus Xavier Woods match because obviously you and I are two of the bigger LA Knight fans, but. The match was really good. Really and good. These two guys have a little fun chemistry with each other. And two, at least following that, they're going in a direction with Xavier, right? It looks like I Xavier agree. might get a. So it wasn't just a, a match and a loss for nothing. And LA Knight continues to be on TV. I think he's one of those guys that I could see him right now, Chad Cooper. L.A. Monday Night Raw, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's L.A. Awesome. Monday Night Raw, bring him right over and like, you know, you can treat him a little bit better from the beginning when you bring him over to Raw and make him feel like a little bit bigger sure. of a deal. And it, and he's always going to be the type of a guy that, unless he's a baby face, I don't mind when he loses like this. Sure, right? Because heels are okay losing clean. Good point. Like, that's that's who he is. If they flip him and then the crowd's behind him and we in his babyface LA night, well then yeah, I don't want him losing these random matches clean on on TV, but I'm not I'm not down on him yet. I, I no. still think he's in a good no. spot. A couple of things. I'm frustrated because he hasn't he, he's been in some interesting programs. He's been on TV, but he hasn't won. And that really, no. really frustrates what what helped the sting a little bit. Uh, ease the sting was Xavier it looks like it's going to be the next challenger for Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship so I'm completely okay with that another thing I'm a little okay with I, I think he's going to Monday Night Raw I, 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 would, I would hope he would and <clears throat> I know a lot of things have changed uh, Triple H in charge things are different um, but something tells me the old WWE MO is they like to have certain people lose a lot of matches, and then these these type of superstars get into a certain match. And I think you know where I'm going with this. Money and then wins in it. the bank. I know this guy would be a, Perfect, an absolute man. sensation for the Money in the Bank briefcase winner. Incredible! I think if Just the if I'm pieces of it. Now, if I'm man. betting early now, Gino, I'm putting I'm. I, I'm putting my money on on LA Knight for just for the that teases of him having the briefcase all the time. Talking, no, not yet. No, the not problem yet. is he's he, he's even over as a heel, and I think it's he's, cool. He is to really like LA Knight. I know he's really over. The crowd loves this dude, and uh, man, LA Knight, 
Great to see him on the TV. Let's see what happens for him next week in the draft as uh, Xavier looks like the next challenger for Gunther. We are going to have um, – we just continue to build up with Sammy and KO and Riddle as they were are working together as a team. They um, – and we even saw Riddle with a little bit more kind of a serious tone on Monday Night Raw yeah. too. And yeah. said, you know, this guy took me out. They took me out. I'm not here messing around and, and just playing around. I would really like a Zelina Vega yeah. tra- championship match in Puerto Rico. Why sure. not? Zelina sure. Vega versus Ripley. Like, the right setting there. Zelina will get a great reaction. I don't think people think whoever Rhea faces for the next couple months is going to beat her, right? She just won the title at Mania. So why not give Zelina an opportunity to have a big match? She's improved in the ring a ton. She's got a great look. She's always been incredible. She was great in NXT. She's a really good performer. I'd love to see that. They were kind of teasing it on SmackDown. So I think that would be a good use of of, of Rhea on the show, having a, a match with Zelina. I, I agree, and I, I've always been a fan of her. She she looks great, number one. Um, she's got a great personality, great on the mic. Um, if it does happen, we're not going to have much of a build, but you know what? We don't need to have that much of a build because Rhea Ripley, number one, is a massive star in the WWE. She could be put in any program. Uh, somebody could become the number one contender the week before Rhea have the match the following week, and it's it would be a big deal. Um, I, I think Zelina is very, very underrated in the ring. I've been able to see her at some house shows, do some things. She's tiny. That's number one. She's really, really little. Uh, she wrestles bigger than her size, and I think it'd be a fun match. David versus Goliath here. No one thinks she's going to win. I think there could be some good hot moments in that match where some false, uh, some false pins there. With that hot crowd, I, I'd be all for it. I, I think the WWE would be stupid not to do this next uh, next weekend. And we've seen a lot of uh, LWO, oh, yeah. ju- Judgment Day, um, Bloodline. And I was, look, look, Gino, I was a little worried uh, over the last uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was a little worried. I thought, okay, this Bloodline, uh, they're bringing in Riddle. And, and I remember us talking about it. But you know what? I think this not only I, I we were worried about Judgment Day after WrestleMania, right? Mm-hmm. And we may be worried about them in the draft. They may go all different ways, which it could be. So this could be the the last run or whatever it is. But I tell you what, man, over the last couple of SmackDowns and Raw, how fun is KO Riddle Bloodline LWO and the Judgment Day? Bit? You see LWO come out and how much pop they got. This is fun stuff, man. You got to agree. You got to admit it's fun stuff. And then I don't always love everybody having a faction all over no, the place. No, but no, no. Because no, no. we talk about it with AEW quite sure, a bit. But sure. what, I, what is a little different to me about this is it feels it's easy to follow. You yes. know, you know who everybody's not convoluted. With. They're not flipping back and forth. There's not another turn. Like you've got the good guys here, the bad guys here. Like everyone's groups are well established. And. And there's uh, not somebody new or, or walking out with this group every other week, or they're not helping someone new or, or interfering in these matches every other week. No, it's can. just easy to follow. It is. You know, it's, it is. it's, and that's why I, I don't, I don't mind it at all. As we saw the women's tag team division feel a little bit better this week, just because 
we've got some tag teams at least. The, the match on Raw didn't go all that long, but we saw Raquel and Liv celebrate as a tag team, as the new tag team champs. They were interrupted by Sonya and Chelsea, and then Sonya and Chelsea get the win on Monday. I mean, a really good first couple months for Chelsea Green. She's on TV all the time. She's in big, like, really pivotal segments. And she got a win on Raw. She's been in the ring with Bianca, with Asuka. And now she gets a tag team title match. It's It's been a really good for a lot of the wrestlers that have come back recently that haven't really done much. Chelsea's been on TV almost every single week and, and getting good TV time. <laughs> Man, yeah, it's, I'm, there's... I mean, you you could try, but there's not a bigger Chelsea Green fan than that I know. No, she looked me. fantastic on Monday. And, too. and you know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. And, and yeah, I'm a Chelsea Green mark. So you could probably roll your eyes at this, maybe not. But look, no one. I, I'm not saying no one, but the majority of the people, a wrestling fans, the WWE universe, don't think that Chelsea and Sonya are gonna win these titles tomorrow night. But let me tell you something. I've kind of dug. I, I'm not a big Sonya Deville fan. Never have been. So let me let me put that out there. Full disclosure. I would have rather seen her and Carmelo. Or Carmella. I think that would have been fantastic. Unfortunately, she got hurt again. But you know what? This dynamic has been okay and good to get into. And they seem like really a genuine, true tag team. Would it shock you? If they won the titles on Friday night or I'm just being too big of a mark. I wouldn't mind if they bounce back and forth and just have like a division. Not I've, I've said this too. Not every champion should be or needs to be a champion for a year or two years. Like sure. right now we've had a lot of that with Roman, with Gunther. The Usos just lost it. Bianca now has had the belt for a long time. I don't think Rhea is going to lose soon. You it's okay to have some back and forth. You don't want every title being hot shotted, but in reality, it it just would happen sometimes. I, I like Chelsea and and uh, Sonia as a pairing. Yeah. I really do. Um, and I'm excited about the the women's tag team and just let's string a couple more teams together. Let's keep giving them focus on TV, which we weren't doing for a uh, for a while. We just got a quick look. You know, they just give us little looks at at. People, I think, reminding us with the draft coming up. Karrion Cross um, talked about, you know, something with Shinsuke Nakamura possibly coming up. We see Braun Strowman and Ricochet backstage, and the Viking Raiders attack Ricochet. Probably get a little something before the, uh, between them. So I think we saw a lot of this and uh, just teasing teams maybe breaking up, teasing you know factions maybe breaking up. Always stuff they do coming up uh, before the the draft. So we get Gunther, Xavier Woods on SmackDown for the IC title, Liv and Raquel versus Chelsea and Sonya, and Braun and Ricochet versus the Viking Raiders. I mean, on paper, two title matches and another tag match that I'm sure uh, would be very good. And as we saw again um, on Raw, Solo Sokoa just keeps picking up wins. He picks up a win over Riddle on SmackDown. And this is a dude, Coop, that they have kept very, very strong. Think about it. <clears throat> you, you, uh, you're more of a historian than I, because you bring up things that I have completely forgotten about. Do you remember a time? And it, it doesn't go back too, too far because WWE really didn't have this 
direct feeder system like they do now, as opposed to 20 years ago when they had like what a territory maybe in Louisville, Kentucky. And I think there was maybe something in Florida or what have you. When is the last time you've seen someone so young get into wrestling and just be shot into the main event than Solo Sakai? Solo. Man. Seriously. I, I just don't recall any debuters other than established wrestlers. I just, because we didn't even see him that much on NXT, like a no, little bit. Remember, no, he remember, won, he was a part he of won the, the belt. Yeah. He won the belt in the match, and then they stripped it from him. Right? Yeah. And, and, think, and then they yeah, put it back up yes, in the, in the ladder right. match. Right? That's right. So... He won in like a was and then they took it away from him and it in the crowd was starting to just randomly get behind him, but he was like a totally different character. He was a babyface kind of character, you know, and and then he just out of nowhere he pops up at Clash at the Castle last year, screws over Drew McIntyre, and I believe he's only lost one time to Cody. I That's think crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. And I mean he's beat Sammy. Kevin Riddle, like legitimate wins over world champ, like former world champs. Um, Solo Sokoa, man, he is someone they are super high on. Solo Sokoa finishes the uh, finishes the Monday uh, finishes Monday Night Raw, and you know he's like he's in all of these segments too like even in the matches like he's the main event was the judgment day versus uh Sammy KO and Riddle but like he's always around he's always getting involved he is someone who you could tell they are super super high on this guy oh yeah he has who, that look too man he has it right he just has it how about monday night raw for the miz oh monday my night gosh. Raw. the miz has I mean, a really good match with Seth Rollins, one of the better TV matches, just kind of making everybody uh, clear that, hey, you know, The Miz is silly and goofy, but he can have a good match when he when he needs to. Anytime that it calls for Miz to have a good match, he does. His character is not a character that's supposed to be going out there and having five-star matches all the time, but this was really good. Shout out to Miz. I, it, was, it was more than good. I, I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, Everyone uh, talking about the big Jay White match uh, that was forthcoming on AEW, that was a big disappointment in my eyes. This was one of the better Raw wrestling matches I've seen in quite some time. That, that What they were able to do, I love the beginning of it. Miz just being that nasty heel jumping Seth Rollins before the match even starts. I have the old, the old, dirty hill move and the way they were able to to tell a story that actually had no meaning other than you two guys are having a match tonight that tells you not only how good seth rollins is and we know how good seth rollins is but again people look at the miz and laugh because snoop dog did this or bad bunny did this or logan paul did this or he's on miz and mrs on the usa network the guy is a legit worker in the ring he just is. Whether you like him or not, he's a legit worker in the ring. And, and, and here's what I'm hoping. I don't know what's left in Miz's career. He's probably not going to be a world champion uh, ever again. But but after that match with Seth Rollins, this guy, it, look, he's on TV every week. He hosts a little Miz TV, and he gets involved in stuff, and he does really good at, at that. 
But that guy deserves to be in a good wrestling program too, man. That that was really, really incredible stuff on Monday night. And I'm a big I'm a big Miz fan and I'm a big Seth fan. I wasn't expecting a whole lot. Me I was, neither. Look, maybe commercial and commercial. Miz will get a couple spots that'll slow down. Those guys were putting it all out on the line, man. That was like a WrestleMania type career match for 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 Miz. And I was thoroughly impressed. And I think people who don't like the Miz were impressed too. I'm always a fan of episodes of Raw or SmackDown that have stories throughout the show. They're not always they don't always hit. They're not always the greatest, but it just reminds me of watching the Attitude Era, Stone Cold and The Rock, and you have something to do all throughout the night. You have to overcome something. If this happens, then this happens. And we had this sort of Judgment Day bloodline alliance for one night only, where they were going to try to help each other out and take care of each other's problems. And the way Paul Heyman was setting this up was was good. And seeing all of them out in the ring together, I thought was fun. And Solo Sokoa picks up a win over Rey Mysterio. So... I'm kind of curious, where do you do you think we end up getting a uh, bad bunny's gonna be at Raw on Monday, I believe. Sure. Um, do you think we get the tag match? Like wh- what do you think they do for a match? Is it gonna be Ray and Bad Bunny versus <clears throat> Dominic and Damian Priest? Man, you know, that's a good question. I I would I, I don't know what the best would be. Uh I assume the match with him in it announcing him would be in it instead of him just like being the host slash commissioner, you know, of the night and then him getting involved in that spot. Is if he's the you know the host of the night, does he get involved in multiple matches? I Puerto Rico will be so hot for this card. They could probably do no wrong with him. I would probably like to see him in the match instead of wait until that night and announce it. I, I think it would give a little more time to stew um we the guy can take some moves and take some bumps we know that so yeah i'd like to see him see him in in the actual tag match itself the ladies um bianca belair and dakota kai they had a nice match that was probably dakota kai's uh one of her better look uh looking matches so far she hasn't had a lot of singles opportunities here they continue to tell a story with you know bailey involved with damage control there so i didn't i didn't think there was uh much to complain about um other quick things to mention bronson reed he uh, said that he was called mr nice guy a little video about him and they're not dropping him they're continuing right you don't have to always have something out there in the ring but keep keep going with him keep giving us something with him i i thought this week was I don't like Cody's promo afterwards was a little bit weird. And I thought, like, I thought he came off uh, like tough and I'm, I'm excited for the Lesnar Cody stuff, but I, I don't know. It was a little bit weird. Some of the, like some of the wording um, that he had, and they were talking about how Cody wasn't medically cleared for the night, but the match is official. Now we're going to get it at backlash Cody versus Lesnar. What do you think about where we're heading with Cody and Lesnar? Um, First, let me mention what I, uh, I I thought the video package for Bronson Reed was really, really good. A couple of weeks ago, this guy was brought in or brought up, and it was, you know, quiet a little bit. Uh, what he and Ashley did last week was fantastic. I thought him getting involved uh, with Lashley Theory uh, was even good. I like the fact that they are pushing this guy, and I think he has a very good future. The guy's really good in the ring, too, especially for his size. Uh a couple of things. Uh, first and foremost, the look 
of uh, of Brock Lesnar, man, with this this cowboy hat and and or hat and this black trench coat that he had on. Yeah, it was it was it was a little weird for me. You know, Cody has has knocked everything out of the park. Um, I understand this was the story uh, months ago for him to not win the title and for him to Brock Lesnar to have a storyline after WrestleMania. I don't know if this one hit home, though. Uh, everything he's he's talked about up until then has been very personal. Um, the average uh, the the average human, the hardworking blue collar workers out in the United States of America could uh, could resonate with everything with everything that he said. This one was a little bit weird. We saw a different side of Cody. Um, they're not all going to be great. Um, this one wasn't as great, and we saw almost like a heel Cody-like beating up all the uh, the security guards in the ring trying to get to Brock Lesnar. I'm with you here. This this one really wasn't as big as a hit for, uh, with me. It's going to be an interesting match uh, when they get into the ring. Uh, you know, I, I, do you see Brock Lesnar losing? I don't. Cody. I think Brock's going to win this first one, and then I think Cody will get him again at, you know, he'll get him back, and then I think so that'll too. be on his road to get to, to Roman. So I think they can get two matches between these two, and then and then you can get Cody back to Roman. Um, there was other things I liked on the show, though. Um, Austin Theory versus Lashley was kind of weird, yeah. which resulted in a no contest. Of course, Reed shows up because we know Reed's uh, involved well, see, there. I didn't think we needed to have that match again. Me neither. I just don't think you needed to have that. I don't think that, it did anything for theory. No, it it was just you could put Lashley in a match with someone else, but we've seen these guys go at it for the U.S. title plenty, and and maybe that was what they were doing. They were like, "Yeah, we don't want to waste something that would be new and fresh. We'll just throw these guys out there again." But I don't know, like you said, how much it helped either one of them. But what I did like was Trish Stratus as a heel. And I didn't know if this was going to work. We were worried that people aren't going to boo her. A lot of what she said was real. And she said, you know, all these women talk about the women's evolution. It was me. I was the one that was first. She said, I thought Becky was sort of joking and playing it up as a character. And then being around her more, she actually believes it. And Trish just looked a little more heelish. She looked fantastic. And she's not ever been someone that was like a 20 minute promo person but she sounds more comfortable in her voice as a heel I think just oh yeah um I thought this was really good and I'm excited because this has to mean she's gonna be around for a while I think I mean oh, I, yeah. I I would eat no, I'm not kidding I would have no problem if you put if Trish beat Bianca Belair and had a short run with the women's title and then that could lead to like something else. I wouldn't even have a problem with that right now. Um, I I think this is depending on what her schedule and her availability is. I would love to see a Trish Bianca, a Trish Becky, which is obviously like the big feud where we're going. And they probably want to get one more Trish Lita if they can before Trish turns baby face again. I don't want this to just be like a one one heel off, yeah. moment. Yeah. If they, I hope this is a heel run because I think they can get a little bit out of this before finishing it up and having her be a good guy again when she ends. Yeah, it better be. But you know, it, 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 this all it, the balls in Trish Stratus's court, obviously. You know, um, 
she knows what she's able to do. But I'm bought in that she's turned full heel and we're going to have a program. I, I like the fact she's on Twitter posting pictures of Roman Reigns as a kid with, with her cutout. You know, her poster in his room on his in wall. His room. There's oh, no more hill move than that. I mean, so good. Uh, it, so it, uh, good. It's just so good. Yeah, I don't want it to be one match where Becky goes over, and I think Becky's dealing with a little injury now too. Seems like a lot of a lot of superstars are, are banged up right now. Um, I don't want this to end after one match. I don't. Um, no. I, I want to see her cheat and beat Becky Lynch, and then. The next night on Raw, or if, if Bianca's on SmackDown, wherever they decide to keep the women's champions, I want her to show up the next challenge night Bianca. and challenge and challenge Bianca Belair and say, "Hey, look, I just beat the greatest, uh, greatest one of the greatest champions of all time, and I'm this, you know, I, I'm 40 years old. Let's do it. You talk about it. You talk about a match of the of the ages. That that I, you know, I know a lot of people have talked about Bailey and Trish." But Bianca and Trish would be very, very interesting. And I think you could put the belt on Trish Stratus. I agree. I, I think you could. Short short term, right? Short run. I think it would be, it would spice everything up. You put it on her and then Becky can get it back and you can just tweak things up a little bit. I really, uh, this could freshen up a, a lot of the division with, with Trish. And I, I like this. I, I like this quite a bit. They just kept checking in on all sorts of different uh, folks, you know, before the draft, um, we mentioned already that Chelsea and Sonia got the win. So they are your new tag team, uh, number one contenders, and they're going to have a match for the titles on SmackDown. We saw the street profits, Boogs and Elias, um, Corbin, Akira this, Tozawa. This, this, this is the downer stuff that I don't like about WWE. You know, you, you don't have time for these guys and they're talented. So they just get that little backstage little segment. I, I know. This is a, it's just I, it makes you feel about them the way they get treated in this segment. Yeah. You make yeah. it's like oh, a bunch of not important guys that we're not supposed to care about. Hell, I forgot about Corbin, and I'm a Baron Corbin guy. I forgot all about him. And it's it's not great seeing the street profits there when you know how much talent and ability sure. uh, Montez has. So again, let's just hope next week they'll have some plans for a, a few of them. And then Sammy, KO, and Riddle get the win over the Judgment Day in the main event, which was good. And you got it—you can't have Sammy, KO, and Riddle losing all the time in every one of these <laughs> matches, right? Like, right. even if it's a lot of cheating, they gotta—they gotta pick up some wins along the way. I agree. I, I just still can't believe that Finn has been able to do what he's able to do at the elimination or the Hell in a Cell match. The pretty good, pretty good Raw. Overall, um, some good work. I liked a lot of the build. The stra- the Trish promo was really good. So far, we only have two matches built up for Backlash, but uh, with Cody and Brock, and then the uh, Riddle, KO, and Sammy versus the Bloodline. But we know there'll be something with Ray and Dominic and probably Bad Bunny and, uh, and Priest. I'd imagine Rhea and um, Zelina was something that you can add on there as well. And then who knows? Um what any other involvement they're going to have with, you know, U.S. champion, IC champion, um, women's tag team champions, things like that, all stuff they could add uh, for sure onto the show. So there's a look at WWE. Let's talk a little bit about NXT as we're actually building to a show next week that is going to be spring break-in, but we opened up this show 
with the NXT Tag Team Championship. And again, I don't think Gallus is a great group of characters. This was a pretty good match, though. They've been pretty good in ring. It was really good to start. They pick up the win over the Creed brothers and the Dyad. Yeah, it it was, uh, again, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm, have a soft spot for the Creed brothers. I think they need to be winning every match, but it, it was, it was a good match. I, I mean, look, NXT has been doing some phenomenal things and this, this match was really good. The whole, the entire show was really good, but it was a fun tag match. It, it really was. I, I just think the Creed brothers, I don't know. You've been hearing rumors about certain guys and gals going up to the main roster. They have to come up soon game. because th- They've been floundering for a while. It felt like, just feels like they haven't been involved in important stuff and treated the way they should be. They should be like a top of the division tag team. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think they could bring a lot to the table on the main roster. So we got a Noem, uh, just a quick look at Nathan Frazier, hard hitting home truths, talking about his career. Um, And then Noem Dar picks up a a win. Um, So just, getting him back on the screen, putting him over. Then Keanu James. Oh, here we go. Our guys, Brooks and Dunn, Brooks and Jensen. He, <laughs> dude, he's in a dress shirt. He's got, like, the dress pants. He's wearing glasses. He's in a ponytail. Oh, my gosh. He's got just a total makeover, and they challenge them to a match next week. So next week we're gonna get a mixed tag match with uh with what Fallon and uh and Briggs versus Jensen and Kiana. Oh my, oh my. When he walked in wearing what he was wearing, oh my. First, let's uh let's let's say uh R.I.P. to uh Ma Maria. Ma Maria. It, uh, that, the RIP to the blue verified check marks today are on 420 yep. on Twitter. And uh-huh. now, you know, RIP to my Maria. Okay, first, <laughs> he reminded me of like an 80s bad guy on a eight on the like a show like the A team. I know. Or, I, you know, but then there, there, it's <laughs> like where you're going, there was like a little. But it was a bad guy. But I got some like John Travolta Saturday Night Fever when he came in, and I was like, "Oh my god!" But (laughs) it was great. It was so bad. It was great. Yeah, yeah. And look, hey, I'm excited for a mixed tag in WWE. I I always enjoyed the mixed mixed uh, tag challenge on Facebook Live that the WWE uh, did years ago. I like this. It's something different. And you know what? They've been telling a story even though it involves a silly bar or whatever it is, but at least they've been consistent with it and they're going to have a payoff match next week. We are going to get the continued heel look at Braun Breaker. It's going to be Andre Chase and Chase U next week against uh, Braun Breaker. So that, that should be interesting to see the, uh, the heel Braun continue on because his heel real-life girlfriend, Cora Jade, just came up right after that. Sure. And um, what did we get later in the show? Cora versus Gigi, which was, I mean, it wasn't a match that went on long, but talk about two very, very attractive ladies there that uh, like the younger demographic, I'm sure was very excited yeah, about. The demo numbers were really, really high. <laughs> real good. Real good <laughs> in the, eight, the 18 through 24. Well, what do you think about Gigi Dolan 
throwing uh, what's her name on uh, on Booker T. Booker T. First time ever Booker T's been at a loss of words for anything. Booker went nuts. And that was hilarious. <laughs> that was great. I the the women's title stuff has been a little convoluted. I I really don't understand what they're doing with Roxanne because like they they haven't had her big full circle moment. I don't know why they. Like she got the title rushed on her because Mandy, and then they took it off her in a weird way. But then they had her come right back in the match. I and and even this, the match was pretty good with uh with Roxanne and Zoe. I actually feel a little bit bad for Zoe because she's had a, a lot of losses recently, and and she's pretty good when she doesn't. She's good as the heel, but she's been just had a, cu- a couple bad promo segments recently again. Um, that were just not great. Uh, following the match, though, it looks like we're going to have a triple threat next week. Indy versus Roxanne versus Tiffany Stratton. How do you think that's going to roll? Well, a couple of things here. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. A um, couple of different opinions on it. I, I don't know if Indy loses or not. You know, we, she she finally got the title. We thought she was being moved up to the main roster. She keeps the title. She's definitely not going to be. Uh, we always thought there may, could be a spot with with her and Dexter Loomis and maybe with Johnny G and Candice, but who knows. Um, I, I would like this match to go. I, I, I'd like Tiffany Stratton to win this title here. Um, don't know if she will. I think, I, I think she probably needs it. I think she'd be better with it. Um, the interesting part will be that the bigger question will be if Roxanne Perez takes the pin, uh, is she getting moved to the main roster at this young of age? Has she, has she that much potential? Because the is that, rumor is yeah. if she loses, she's, she's, she's got a really good opportunity and she would be the youngest superstar, I believe uh, on the females, on the women's side of it. So it's going to be interesting to see who takes the pin and who takes the title because one or two of these ladies could be moving up. I don't think Tiffany will move up. So that's why I think she's going to win the either Andy keeps it or Tiffany wins it. She she could because with Tiffany, Zoe, Cora, Gigi, it feels like the women's division's in pretty good shape right now down there. Yes. Yes. Like there are a lot of women that are towards the top of the division that you feel like if you needed to move Roxanne up, you'd be okay doing that. Um I thought the match with uh Dijak and Cruz was really good. Oh yeah, man. I love that match. It was, I mean, Cruz, you feel bad for because he loses again here. It's like, what are you doing with this? Like, what can you do with him where he's now come down to NXT and lost to like all of his feuds, but in ring, I was texting you through this. I thought it was really good. I was good. It it was good. Uh, Dijak, uh, we've said it from day one. Uh, this guy can go. Uh, if if you've known him as far back as the Ring of Honor days, um, he got involved in that little silly retribution gimmick, which I thought had a lot of good uh, early early moments, and then it just went really really flat. This guy, this guy is really good. Uh, I don't know if 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 he's close to going back to the main roster. I don't think he has to. I, I don't think there's anything. Of course. You want to be on Raw, SmackDown, but I don't think there's anything wrong with being NXT working shows on Tuesday night on USA no. Network. There's just not, and it, he has a place there, and he there there's him and Dragonoff's going to have some 
is going to have a, a, a fantastic match, you know. JC cut a promo in the parking lot talking about how <laughs> Gigi left her baby brother to deal with their drug addict mother. And she said, Gigi, it was brutal. It was brutal. So we'll uh, we'll see these two continue on their feud. North American Championship, Wes Lee versus Charlie Dempsey. Gulak attacks Lee before the match. They have a really good match again. I mean, Wes Lee has been yeah. incredible. And we'll probably get a Drulak match with Wesley coming soon. I yeah. thought fine here. And man, eventually Wesley versus Carmelo is probably their next big, big match. Yeah, you, you gotta you go that think. way, right? I, you know, I, I would I I don't you know, Grayson Waller's another one is just an amazing talent, you know, on and off. He might the be line, coming up ring, and he could be coming up. I, I don't see Carmelo losing the title to him. No. Uh Wesley has done phenomenal. After being split uh, with his tag team partner, uh, getting fired, um, this guy's just had an incredible run. Some of these moves on Tuesday night, he, he did toward the end of the match where they were really, really tired. He did sort of like a bicycle kick uh, to the back of the head. I, I haven't seen that, I, I don't think, ever. I, I just This guy's full of potential. Sky's the limit. This, this is a guy that will be on the main roster within a couple of years, but... He's nothing short of spectacular right now. It's really fun to watch him go on Tuesday nights. Really, really good stuff from Wes. Tony D and Stax talk about how we got a trunk match. A trunk match. Yeah. Throw him in the trunk. This Woo. week, we've got so next week, we've got uh, Oba Femi debuting. Um, Indy Hartwell versus Roxanne versus Tiffany Stratton. Braun Breaker versus Andre Chase. Jensen and Kiana James versus Briggs and Fallon Henley. We've got uh, Valkyria Lyra versus Cora Jade and Tony D and Stax versus Pretty Deadly in a trunk match. NXT Championship Carmelo versus Grayson. That's the uh, the card. They the main event was the the promo segment from between Carmelo and between Grayson Waller. And it was good. And, you know, they they went back and forth. Mello gets to be a little bit more of a baby face. Talk about how he's the one that's got all the accomplishments and Grayson's done nothing. Grayson talks about how he's always uh, going viral and he steals the show. Um, like you said, I don't think Grayson's going to win or anything, but he's a legitimate contender, at least for uh, for Carmelo. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, I was OK with the segment. Usually, you know, when it, it's real old school WWE-ish when we end with kind of like contract signings or a segment. But you know what? They're also entertaining on the mic, those three, that I was okay with it. And I think the match is 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 just really going to be Grayson Waller, man. <laughs> I've I've liked that guy since day one. He's just a just a sleazy good heel that can talk on the mic on the mic and he's got a British accent and that it makes you just not like him even more. Just as a simple fact, you know, he he he's a weasel. So next Tuesday is going to be going to be a pretty good, solid two hours of wrestling. Or, uh, or uh, it, I think it is Australian, right? Because he said, Australia, what he said Australian. Because he said, yes, I'm yeah. Australian. You don't think I've gotten any chicks or something like that? Yeah, like he made yeah. a, He made a it just a makes it even worse, right? It makes it even great. worse. It's Absolutely. like, wait a minute, dude. But yeah, next Tuesday, if you don't watch NXT, do do us a favor and, and just watch it next Tuesday. Just going to be. Set some be time a good aside show. and watch it. It's going to be a good and show. I, I like what they do with him with the streaming, the going live on Instagram and going live oh, on it. stuff on his phone and the way that they uh, they format it. I, I think it's a good 
Um, it's a good character uh, tweak to to him. So that was NXT. Uh, AEW Dynamite. In just looking at some thoughts that people had, this was such a um, interesting show in that I saw a few people who absolutely loved it, and then I saw a couple others who really didn't think a lot of it was was great. But we opened the show with Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, and then Sammy Guevara interrupts him. Darby comes out. So the three of them talk for a little while, and they go at each other. Um, Sort of intriguing. First, um, you know, Darby says him and Sting are equals. It's not the Sting Appreciation Society. Uh, Jericho's holding Sammy back. He said, I actually like you the most of, of the others. He said... You know, then he starts ripping on Jack Perry. You've been handpicked, part of the California clique. Um, and then Jungle Boy gets his moment, and he says that Darby's not the guy that everyone thinks they are, that he is. That was kind of a, a maybe a veiled <laughs> shot because yeah. there's some other stuff about Darby uh, not great. Antisocial, unfriendly, rude to everybody back there. And here comes MJF to interrupt them. I'm I'm conflicted with this because this is stuff you have to do, right? These guys, how are they going to ever learn to cut 10-minute promos if they don't do it, right? Like, go out there. Valid point. Very good point. It. But, like, it almost felt with the three of them like when you're watching guys on NXT work out some of their promo stuff because all three of those guys are so much better in the ring than they are on the microphone. Yes. It it's jarring. They're all fantastic in the ring, some of the absolute best in the world. And then on the microphone, Darby, Sammy, and Jungle Boy are all well below average. They've had moments. Darby had a good one a few weeks ago that we talked about, right? Like that was a really good promo from him. And and then what what hurts is that you then have MJF come out who feels like he's on a different level than all of them. That that's my only concern here is that it just feels like he's so far above the rest of these guys, and we can talk about this whole story as, um, you know, as one because a lot of this episode was about it. Then afterwards, they try to make it seem like it's not going to be a four way when it, this this match has to be a four way. So they're just, they, I I think they're just tricking us to get it, to get us back to a four way because they say. It's going to be a tournament, but then later in the night when they have a match, the match is good, but it's a the ending is wonky, so it's definitely something they can come back to and say, well, it wasn't a clean ending. They can do the same thing next week and say, well, that wasn't a clean ending, and then just have it be a fatal four-way. I would just prefer saying it's going to be a four-way. Let's build to it <clears throat> instead of doing all these things. And, like, you get a little too cute. Like, why try to trick your audience I thought that was what you, as AEW, we were just going to know our audience is smart. Let's lean into it. Let's say we're going to have a fatal four-way. Because, Chad, I'm supposed to believe that MJF paid off Sammy. First off, what I don't get, like, what <laughs> what is the paying off of Sammy doing to the mode? So he's paying off Sammy to help him win these matches, and then Sammy's going to lay down for him. So right. I'm supposed to believe that Tony Khan is going to book the main event of their pay-per-view, MJF versus Sammy, heel versus <laughs> heel, when we know that Sammy's going to lay down. 
right? Like I, I as a fan, that's what I'm supposed to believe. Yeah, I, I'm glad you put it the nice host way because I'm going to call it what it is. It's it's just bad booking. I, I and then Sammy says, "Well, we're friends. Let's hug." And I'm like, "Wait, what?" The look, the promo you you described it perfectly. Perfectly, it it, it wasn't. It, it was it was a little rough. But as you said, if these guys are going to get better, this is something they're going to have to do. The problem was it was at the beginning of the show. Um, I, I'm with you. I Don't call me a stupid fan and have this as a so-called tournament or series of elimination-type matches when it, it should be a four-way and you can have fun, really a lot of fun, building that match over the next month or so, right? Because none of, none of these guys individually— okay are big enough to face MJF one-on-one. They're not. Not, None of the other three of them are ready right now. Not Not Jungle Boy, not 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 Guevara, maybe Darby, maybe Darby, like the most of the three of them. But what's the bigger main event? All four of them or just one-on-one? It's all four of them. Yeah, because that makes it more fun because MJF doesn't have to be pinned to win that title. You can talk yourself into that. Look... And what really slapped me in the face and spit in my face with this is you have a freaking count out at the end. And then Sammy Guevara moves on to the, to the match. I, I just don't I, look again. I said it last week. I thought dynamite was better last week. Two weeks ago, I thought they had a big opportunity to steal all the momentum after the raw Monday night was just a crap, did crap show. And it was, and they haven't. And they did. And they last did. week and on Rampage, they had a they had a humongous lead in from oh, the NBA. NBA. Dude, I don't know what they were thinking. It How did terrible. you not have MJF like cutting a promo to open the show or one of, of like your biggest hottest angles on Friday? They just had like a, a, a regular tag match come out. I don't know. And and if you look at the numbers, all of the viewers that they gained, people who just had their TVs on in the background. They just flipped the channel immediately, and it just cratered throughout. Right, like, and, and last it, night, and last night you think it, or yeah, Wednesday night you think, okay, they're probably not going to get a very good West Coast rating because the Lakers were on TV. Yep. So I, I, I just look the booking. If you want to do, look, you do whatever you want to. It, 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 it's your company, buddy, pal. But I, don't you're slapping me in the face as a viewer by saying you're going to have this tournament, and then you got guys advancing because of a freaking count-out. This just... One day I'm going to go back to the original first couple AEW Dynamite episodes, and we're going to do a run-through of what happened, and we're going to compare them of what's going on today. And I'm going to tell you, I think it's gotten worse. I really yeah. do. I, I think it's gotten well, worse. It, Last, it, Wednesday it, night was not good for them. It the problem now, I don't think you they, you have as much of an identity as you had early on. That's right. True. Early on, you sort of knew who you were. Now, you brought in some bigger stars. But what's crazy, you bring in some of these bigger stars, but you don't really play the game like you should. Right? You still, like, you bring in the bigger stars, you pay for them, but then you only really cater to a small audience. You don't try to build up your audience by by doing things that would would make a lot of sense. I don't I don't know. I mean I I thought the the Brit Breaker Jamie Hader stuff was next and we 
we had them versus Tony and Ruby. And looked like Jamie Hayter got hurt. Yeah. Uh, but Britt and Jamie end up getting the win uh, with with the lockjaw. And later on in the night, there's going to be an attack because Hayter gets hurt, so she's not around to help out. Um, I mean, playing on the Brit in Pittsburgh stuff is always going to work for them, right? Sure. That That's always going to give them a, a good response. So it, the match was actually – I preferred the match to the angle later. Yes, 100%. Agree. I, I yeah. didn't mind the match. I thought it was fine. It was what's supposed to happen. The angle later felt like just over the top. I – they're being consistent. They're they're being consistent with some of this stuff. With I, I just don't know what the payoff is going to be. Jamie Hader is your champion, and it just seems like we don't have challengers for her. She's just involved with with all these different people in these different factions. That's number one. Um, number two, I, I just don't understand why Jade Cardgill is no longer on, on the Wednesday night picture anymore. I just, they're, where, it, where look, she these been? guys look, and these guys can get on Twitter all they want to and say, we have the best women's division. Of course, they're, they're going to say that prove it, show it, put Jamie Hayter in, in some matches. I, I'm just, it just seems like it's, they're being consistent with the same thing over and over with these women. I, I, I the spray paint gimmick. And then later in the night, we'll, we'll get to it in just a bit with Brit hollering, um, to Adam Page and calling him his real it's just just some weird bizarre stuff but back to the the original point I, I I agree with you I preferred the match a lot more than than the silly angle that they did afterwards you know, later on the match I had no problem with the match look I think you could put Britt Baker in any city and she's gonna be over I know there's a lot of drama going on with with Thunder Rosa and and don't get me started on this all access show I, I just think there's, I don't know, man. I don't know. We we could go hours. What what's wrong with certain things here? It's just uh, it's frustrating because they have the pieces to be a lot better than what they are. I like the more serious Kenny Omega. Yes, I do 100%. like this. I want this guy to be in the singles division though, and be a single star. And I had heard it on another pod but they had said like you see them kind of standing out there sometimes with uh with the bucks and like have we ever really had the bucks like developing their characters like in the whole time we've been here like we really haven't ever even treated them like that top top babyface team that they should be we don't hear enough from them i think the same thing with cody that like all of these guys chad they got so in their head about being the exec, the EVPs. And remember, Cody did the same thing right off the bat. He took himself out of the title picture. He couldn't wrestle for the title right away. Why? Like, <laughs> why don't we see Kenny in the main event picture a lot? Shouldn't the Bucks be, like, I don't mind that there's a feud here that they're building, but I just, when I see them, I feel like we don't know them well enough. Now, this match that they're building to is going to be awesome. Yeah. And I... And like I another critique, I hate I hate doing this too because I'm watching him and he does a good job with it. But like, why do we really have to boo Brian Danielson right now at this point of his career? Like, <laughs> who who wants to do that? Who wants to boo this guy who had major injuries, concussion issues? We love seeing him out there. 
I just don't. He likes playing the heel. You could tell he's having a good time with it. That's fine. Is it better for your TV show? Is it better for the show that you're scripting to have him play a heel or a good guy that everybody already is behind? I I don't know. Uh, I see him and I just think of a guy that's miscast. That's all. And it's not that Brian Danielson isn't doing well with it. He does fine with it. He would just do better as the baby face, right? I, I, you know, Gino, uh, not to, not to go off, but it, it, it go off uh, topic because it, it doesn't involve all of this and, and these specific guys, the elite bucks, but what, if what we're hearing is true, um, and CM Punk is coming back and we're going to have whatever it is, the fourth brand, which is, actually going to be the second brand with this what you know collision AEW collision on Saturday nights and certain people are going to be on that show and not be on dynamite and vice versa the one thing that you and I both agreed upon in the early early uh year or two first year or two of this company was AEW was going to be transparent about everything and sure we knew that that probably wasn't going to be 100% true because you can't really be transparent about every little thing that goes on or, or especially in these days or uh, somebody would cancel your butt. I just think they've, they've hit a lot of stuff. They haven't handled a lot of personalities. And I think frustration has set in with a lot of these, a lot of people in this locker room. I, I've heard certain things from enhancement talent that things are different now than that what they were two years ago when they worked this match uh, as opposed to this. And I think a lot of people are having to be separated, and that's what happens when you try to sign every professional wrestler that every one of them, you and I both know, has an ego bigger than bigger than the country that we live in. And I think it's starting to show a little bit. And I think it has hurt some of these feuds and some of these wrestlers because you and I both know Kenny Omega, the cleaner. This is the guy, this company, we wanted to see this guy on top. We wanted to see him with the title. And when he did, it was bad. Was he hurt? I don't know. We need to see singles Kenny Omega. We need to see why that everybody wanted to watch New Japan to bring a honor when these guys were on there. This ain't the reason why. The match, sure, it'll be fun. It'll be really, really fun. The build and and the the week in, week out to get to there is not fun. And Brian Danielson, the booing it, come on, guys. Come on. You know, I I don't know if you noticed, we were getting what chants last night. They they were crap. That AEW audience was crapping on people, Gino. So a lot of things have changed. A lot of things has changed. And I think they're going to have to have a a really come to Jesus type meeting here. Over the next couple of months, rumor is that Warner Brother would like to have some sort of WWE programming on one or two of their channels. If that's the case, you're going to have to start doing a lot of things different. Now, I think it starts with Kenny Omega. I think it really starts with that guy. They, uh, you know, they have Takeshita come out and help make the save, and Dal- uh, Don Callis is with him. They've been teasing. I don't know if Don Callis is going to go. Be aligned with Takeshita. Maybe he's trying to align Omega and Takeshita and not Hangman. Maybe Hangman's. They've been teasing something there too. So keep an eye on that. I have no idea what they've been trying to do with Wardlow and Powerhouse Hobbs. But I will say everything that they've done with both of these guys in the last couple months is just. 
Let me strike that. Not everything. The videos they were doing with Hobbs before he came back and they paired him with QT Marshall and then went in a totally different direction, those videos were good. Wardlow, the the little sit-down he did and he talked about his dad, that was fine. But having him lose, get his hair cut, having them start and stop his momentum so many times, like, then then even in this, they're fighting all throughout the uh, the arena. Now Arn Anderson is associated <laughs> with him kind of out of nowhere. It was like it was like a big thing just to get Arn to do the fake Glock thing. You know, I don't I, I, I'm, I'm just not I'm, I'm not connecting with any of this. I'm not connecting no, with any of this. No. And I think you and I both knew what was coming when when Wardlow returned and they and they made this match. Right. Wasn't it made right after the pay-per-view or they said whatever it was. Um, poor Hobbs, you know, he, he's been on all these television commercials, promoing AEW, you know, I will never lose this title. And then he lost it. I, the problem is like last week, you know, Keith Lee was in the main event last week, right? Gone. I don't know when he's going to be back on AEW dynamite. You know, no one's not a whole lot of people is watching rampage yet. You, it popped last Friday. And a majority of the people that watch Wednesday nights, half of them, or more than half, don't watch on Fridays. Not even a tenth of that watches Dark and Dark Elevation on Monday, Tuesdays on YouTube. So where does Hobbs go from here? You 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 gave us this guy. Uh, you put a title on him. Uh, he's getting he's getting somewhat of a run, and then you have Hob, uh, then you have Wardlow bury him, and you bury him with Arn Anderson. I, I've got the same questions you. This this was this was. Look, I, I, I just the booking on both was bad. Poor Wardlow has been he was the hottest thing, not on Wednesday nights, Gino. He for for several weeks, you and I both agreed he was the hottest professional wrestling in the United wrestler in the United States. When he came out there in handcuffs and these people were going nuts, that was WWE S stuff. That was that was the attitude era type stuff. Let's think about Wardlow. Let's you think can't about duplicate that. You know, you we can't go back and redo that again. No, we can't. We can't do that again. Think about Ricky Starks right now. Oh, poor guy. Where yeah. where he was a couple months ago. You're not going to get that back. Miro, where he was when he was really hot and people were were like were begging for him. You're not going to get that back. And you uh, you had a little backstage stuff. You know, it was more of the MJF Sammy Guevara stuff. Like Wade Keller from pro wrestling torch, his analysis after the segment was, are we to believe that MJF has the pull to bypass the tournament himself and just pay someone to advance to the finals because he offered them a deal and Excalibur reacted like that whole sequence would hold up. I don't get it at all. Like Excalibur is, Oh my God, did the main event of, of double or nothing possibly change right now? Like this is something we would be mad at WWE for pretend like acting like we're stupid. Like I'm, I'm supposed to believe that we're just going to be okay with this as this main event that like Tony Khan wouldn't come in and stop it and say, there's no way that's happening. We're just going to, we're going to do the four way instead. Like, I know you got a couple weeks to, to get through TV, but you have a huge roster. Like this was your choice on, on, <laughs> right? on how to get through the TV. Man. I still think they miss Wardlow and MJF. I know I just, I, I, it's I, never going to feel like it did ever. If you put them back together, like no, not, not even with this, not even, not, yeah, not even winning this TNT title is going to duplicate that. Nope. 
Not at all. And, I have a feeling that's probably where they're going to go with it, but I don't know. And man, I, I'm going to say right now, Jay White has felt like absolutely nothing on this show and on this roster. I mean, yeah, they have not made him feel like anything at all. It's basically like, oh, you know Jay White. He's from New Japan. He was a, a big deal over there. They haven't made us understand why. They haven't put him in a big feud right away, right off the bat. Like, people were talking about Jay White for coming out and challenging Roman Reigns. And they got him on this show against Commander. And I will say, the problem with Jay White, in a place like AEW, he's not going to stand out in the ring because his style is kind of old school. Like, he's more of a slow you down, like a cerebral kind of uh, psychology, like territories type of guy, Coop. Guys that we would have liked years ago, you know, not necessarily flipping in like a bunch of high spots. So he doesn't look all flashy. The crowd was more into Commander. Because Commander is that type of wrestler. But then the problem is, after the match, we see Commander is now all elite. With Juice Robinson attack Spears. Spears is out there doing the cards. Ricky Stark's music comes out. So there's a whole <laughs> lot of crap going on. But my point was going to be on Commander. I'm looking at the AEW roster right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about Commander just signed. And it's reminding me of... Action Andretti. Oh, Andr- Andrade. Where's he been? Andrade. Oh, good El call. Idolo, Bandito. Roosh. Where's all of these guys that come in, have that good match, they sign them, and then where do they go? Where, where are I, they? And Gino, I didn't think, I thought uh, the previous uh, commander match was better than the one with Jay White. Oh, yeah. The, the El Ijo de Vikingo match. I, I thought that was, I thought was that, awesome. Look, yeah. Drealistico. Yeah. You yeah. brought him in. Elio de Vikingo, who you just mentioned. You brought him in. Yeah. All of these Fuego del Sol. All oh, of these yeah. wrestlers. Remember they made a big deal about him and they did the contract signing on TV. Him and Sammy Guevara had a moment. Remember? Yep. I mean, w- why do I believe that Commander is going to be different than any one of them? Good call. I, and Takeshita, at least we've seen a little bit more involved. I mean, Lee Johnson, Lee Moriarty, they were guys that got pushed and got given a chance, and then Rug just pulled right out from under them. And I'm glad you after. mentioned him. Poor Sean Spears. He's yeah. doing the, the 10 gimmick. I know. With cards, yeah. and th- this is what this guy has become. And look, yeah, WWE, look, I, 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 I saw this guy several times in house shows. Um, I, I was a fan of, of Ty Dillinger. Um, I like the little gimmick that he was doing. The perfect 10 um, didn't work out. This was, again, you talk, and he's battled injuries. Look, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of WWE superstars right now who are injured. So th- that's just a part of it. But this guy, he just hasn't been able to do anything since joining the AEW. And him standing outside the ring with, with, with the 10 card, it, it can't be fun. You you can't tell me that's fun to a professional wrestler. Gino, you, you've been in this industry long no. enough. You've been involved with professional wrestling. These guys are egomaniacs, whether they're nice or, or they're asses about uh, about things. At the end of the day, they're egomaniacs. They all want to be in the main event. That can't feel good. Just sucks. That can, just sucks, that, man. And I, I just like don't him. know. Like, do you need, again, I, I saw the Ring of Honor match, Commander versus El Hijo de Vikingo. 
mm-hmm. which was honestly, if somebody said that that was the best wrestling match they saw all WrestleMania weekend, they might not have been wrong. Like that's it why was, you saw that in person. It was that good. I'm not saying I don't like the guy. My whole point is, what is different about him in this situation than the ten other people that came before him had one good match and we've never seen him again? Like that—that's my concern. I can't well, why, argue that. I can't. Why argue do I that. believe? And then we move to the next segment. It's Jericho uh, and Cole face to face. And and like these two guys are fine. Like sure. even when they're going back and forth, the two of them, even if they're saying sort of courty stuff, like Cole at least is is I don't know how much the babyface stuff has connected a hundred percent with him yet, but it's fine. It's not bad. Like it's fine. He's fine as a babyface. The crowd likes him. They cheer along, baby. Um, there were a couple corny lines. He called him a, uh, what, what was he, um, what was the word that he that he that they kept saying over and over? Um, jag off, jag off. There we go. It's like a Pittsburgh thing. So he kept calling him a jag off, and the crowd was in it. And then a fickle, immature, stupid idiot, and the crowd chanted "stupid idiot." So, you know that that was. That was fine, but Cole, so Jericho pushes him, then Cole attacks him, and then Daniel Garcia comes in, and they start attacking Cole. Britt Baker runs out. She tries to get involved, and then the outcasts show up, and so all of a sudden, it just becomes too much. Like, the beginning of it, Jericho, Cole, I'm fine with. But I know they want to get so much sympathy, and they want to make Adam Cole seem like this real baby face, so... What did they end up doing? They handcuffed him to the ring. Was that right? Yeah. He was tied. He was cuffed to the ring, and they're just stomping. They, you know, they're stomping out on Britt, and, and they make Adam Cole watch as the Outcast attack Britt Baker's knee. And it just became like a little too much. Like there's like a too much going on here for me. And again, I felt like things either. Go really slow or really quickly. Like we got here all the how did we get to all of these people in the ring and kindo sticks being I would have loved to see Jericho and Paige, like something with those girls at least once, right? We yeah. haven't seen any interaction with Jericho and those girls ever, but then now they come running out because it was Brick Baker. And so now you just have all these different things. It was it was too much for me, man. It was just too much. Are you are you okay with Paige and Jericho? I actually don't mind it. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mind a pairing of them, of the two of them, but it just came out of nowhere. Like, give me a small segment with them a week or two ago. Let me see it once or twice where Paige is like, oh, I like that jacket you're wearing or Jerick is something like that. Something stupid, right? Just like, hey, I, I, I like the work you're doing right now. Just that they're both heels that are on the bad side. And then it wouldn't be so crazy when you see that happen. I don't know. I, I did not think this was a very good episode, as you can tell in my voice. They're just last week <laughs> we were pretty positive. Oh, we were yeah. like really positive. This, I enjoyed it. Like how, and then we moved from this to the acclaimed <laughs> and the guys that were the most over tag team champs, and they're in a six man with Billy Gunn, Matt Menard, Angelo Parker, and Jake Hager. And I don't know, man. I just I, I, I do know. Why. It just is it, it would suck. Why, like, why do you do this to these guys? Like, wh- man, I just, you- I, like I told you, I'm, I just get some WCW Thursday night thunder vibes on a lot of this stuff. It, well, it and just, I just do. So right now your tag team division, you had 
the acclaimed as your tag team champs, you had them lose, get screwed out of the title, and never really get like their comeuppance with the guns for all of that. They did a weird thing. It seemed like Billy was going to like screw them over for the title. None of that even happened. And then the acclaimed have just been dropped down. Okay, let's say they were doing it because they wanted FTR to come back and win the titles. It's like FTR is in an eight-man tag on Rampage, like a 10-man tag. We got a second from them. FTR, Jay Lethal, like we're going to get them in a like – they talked about coming up on Rampage. So I don't know. I mean we've already hit on the, the main event, Jungle Boy versus Sammy, which ended in a count out. I just – there were not a lot of positives coming out of this show, which is a bummer because last week, I felt like there were a pretty good amount of positives coming out of Dynamite. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I totally agree. Um, I think this week's Rampage uh, taped. Uh, so I, I assume you'll have NBA games that, that lead into it again, but it won't have as big as a rating. Um, I, I just, again, you want to have ever all, you want to have all the cool kids or whatever in, in your promotion. And we knew this was going to be an issue. And you tagged it perfectly with the way they were operating, uh, what their goals were in the beginning have completely changed. It's been a, an entirely different dynamic. And a lot of these guys that came over from WWE and, and, and ladies, we don't even see them anymore. We, we just don't. And when they pop in every three or four weeks, how do we get invested in Keith Lee like that? Seriously, how, how would we? How would we get invested with with uh, uh, an Andrade? Well, swir- last week, the end of the show was a main event match with Jericho, Keith Lee, and then Swerve Strickland got involved. We didn't hear anything or see anything. Swerve Strickland or Keith Lee, and they were the two guys at the end of the main event. You Correct. may like WWE style of wrestling. You may not. You may not like w- uh, Raw. You may not like SmackDown. I've never watched a TV show in my life for any genre that would do something like that. No. That would have something close a show and then the next week it's not referenced anywhere. Yeah, if if Dwight K. Schrute was threatening to blow up the office building in, in episode four, season six of The Office, episode, episode five, five, he wasn't in around. I would and I had to deal with just Jim and it Damn, opens up and with it, Dwight in handcuffs, right? Like Dwight's right. in handcuffs. He's going to jail, and everyone's like, oh, Dwight went yeah, across the, the line. Guard, like, the security guard's walking him out, you know? Yeah. Like, come on, guys. That's what I'm saying. I, it's just like every three or four weeks, I, I'm not, I can't get invested in, in certain people that well, I and, like. And I, I even wish WWE did this more than they used to. I just talked about it right now with how they had yeah. that, that night-wide storyline. I wish they would do things that made you want to tune in to Rampage at the end sure. of Dynamite. Give well, me we a little reason. Happen. We, th- we did. They- we did. It's never yeah. one time ever. They've never ended and been like, oh, my gosh, we're going to get more follow up on this on Rampage. It's just I do that every week. I every would end the show week. with that every week because you you know exactly what you can do. You can rec- tape it right after you can just go right to it. And I don't. I don't understand when WWE too, like, let me, give me a cliffhanger. Give me a reason to flip it on Friday. Oh, we don't know what's going to happen on Friday night. Adam Pierce is going to come out and address it and tell us who's going to be the number one contender. I just like little frustrated this week, Coop. 
little just because we like it. We know what it can be. If, same if we exact didn't thing. like it, we wouldn't be so passionate for no. it. You know? Same thing we felt we on the go, Monday Night oh, Raw yeah, after good. Mania. Good match. Same, same thing we felt on the Monday Night Raw after Mania. Just it got phoned in. It was bad. And when we don't like it, we're going to call it out. And it it's more than having good in-ring product. Like everyone can have a good in-ring product right now. Impact Wrestling has a fantastic in-ring product on all of their divisions. Main event, their women's division. And I, I've said this here and to you, their women's division is booked the best of any women's division by far. They're treated like legitimate main eventers with like Perrazzo and Mickey James and Jordan Grace and that group. They're always treated like top, top tier stars and they're booked legitimate with like real storylines. I, I'm not just looking for good wrestling. I want some of the same reasons why I watch TV week to week. I want some story, some reasoning, some continuity, some consistency. And I didn't feel like we got that from AEW this, uh, this week. But you'll get that consistency from Chad Cooper right here each and every week on this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper on That's What G Said podcast. Koopa Loop, my man. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us. We'll uh, look forward to talking to you again next week. And we're going to give you a follow at the Chad Cooper on Twitter and on Instagram. Koopa Loop, appreciate it, my man. You have a fantastic weekend. Woo, 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 Gino. Have a good weekend. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to come on this episode. That's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said Podcast. A big thank you to Chad Cooper for helping us out. Don't forget, NBA fans, we have preview shows every single day. They're free. Monday through Friday, 5 Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific time. We go through all of the games every single day throughout the playoffs. And then Saturday, Sunday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific time, coming out with me and Eric. Good luck at Keeneland this weekend. Good luck at Santa Anita this weekend. Woodbine opens on Saturday. I think I'm going to have a separate video that comes out. So make sure to follow me on Twitter and uh, subscribe, rate, review the podcast, share it around with your friends when you get the chance. I don't. I always forget the, uh, the important stuff like that, right? Really, the important stuff is making sure that you get all the best information and helping you make some money and stay entertained. Have a great weekend, folks. Talk to you again real soon.